we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts, Willow Truman. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And tonight we have a very interesting and long story for you all. Yeah. We're going to be talking about Ted Rice, <laughs> a man who nobody knows. Who, who knows. Who's ever... I mean, maybe you know a man named Ted Rice. Maybe your name is Ted Rice. I hope not. Oh my God. Ted Rice, are you listening to this? He might be. Eh. <laughs> He's out there. He's like 80 years old now. I'm sorry, Ted. Yeah. Your no, don't be. Don't be. He published this. He wants the world to know the reality of what's happening. No, so I'm just sorry. No, I'm just sorry for his name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's my favorite type of rice. You got brown rice, you got white rice, you got Ted rice. Right. Very nutritious. It's not the rice. It, every every Ted is a two-bit grifter. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> Ted Koppel, Ted Kennedy, mm. Ted Bundy. Okay. Ted. Nugent. Ted Nugent. Yeah, he's not the worst. Yeah, he's better than I, Ted Koppel. I Goppel. like him. Yeah. I mean, I don't like him, like him, but he's entertaining. Yeah. 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 So Ted Rice, he was a likable, popular man, an accomplished psychic, actually. But it turned out that his entire life was designed and manipulated by unseen spirits who knew how to compel him to move wherever they wanted him to, to get jobs, to meet certain people. Through hypnotic regression, he discovered that the spirit guides that were supposed to be helping him were actually really ugly, stinky reptilian aliens, weird little grays, Ah. some that wore like robes and hoods. And Ted learned that these aliens think of humans the way we think of animals. They use us for experimentation. And what's especially gruesome, not even our children are safe from their machinations. Think of the children. Won't somebody think of the children? Ted. What a story, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, think it's time to do the tarot pool? Do you want to do it, Sequoia? Sure. Sweet. We forgot last week. That's going to happen from time to time. Do you have your deck with you? I do. Cool. All right. Okay. All right, what do we got, Ted? What do we got? Six of Swords. Science. Interesting. Science. Okay. That's the kid on, and the lady on the boat in the Rider Waite. Huh. Yes. If you haven't seen since. Wow. Nestor. Yeah. I I understand. I understand. <laughs> in the I understand. In the Thoth Tarot, it is Mercury and Aquarius. Mm. Six swords surround the Rosicrucian cross. There. The points all stuck in the yeah. center there. Science. Science. Some would say that that this is a field of pseudoscience. Well, they're losers. Yeah. All right. So the book that this episode comes from is called Masquerade of Angels, written by Carla Turner, also known as Dr. Carla Turner. She's a doctor. Thank you very much. No, 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 no. She's a PhD in American studies. So, you know, qualified UFO. I, I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. But like you put PhD 
in a book title about ostensibly aliens from another world. Right. Um, it's a I'm, move. It's a power move. Yeah. But every time I see that, I'm really hoping it's not a doctorate of American studies. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. Yeah. Oh. Right. So this book comes from Carla Turner, also written by Ted Rice. And she is a woman who researches ufology. She was an abductee herself. Mm. Now, is she associated with the other like people in the ufological field? Okay. Well, you know where I heard of her from? Where's that? Eve Lorgan. Remember our Alien Love Bite episode? Yes. Yes. So Eve Lorgan is carrying on the work of Carla Turner, who passed away. Okay. She's, you know, continuing on the legacy of looking into high strangeness, looking into abductions, looking into interdimensional, extra dimensional contacts. All right. Which someone's got to do it. So Carla was the first. Carla came before Eve. Yes. All right. Cool. And then Carla also knew this woman, Barbara Bartholik, who factors into this as the hypnoregressionist. Say that again. Barbara Bartholik. Yeah, that's a spook. Yeah. That's a fucking. She first worked with Jacques Vallée Mm. on cattle mutilation studies. Mm. Yeah. Have a lot of thoughts for a different episode. Right. So we can't we can't get too into Carla and Barb's background quite yet. This is Ted's episode. It is Ted's episode, but goddamn, I want to get into into Barb's background. Oh my god, me too. That sounds so dirty, but I really just look I I mean a resume. Barb is kind of like she's she's the mind behind Carla and Ted's mind because she hypnotized and regressed both of them. Oh my God. Oh no. You know, it's like Ted experiences all this shit, goes to Carla for help. Mm. Carla's like, oh, I know this woman, Barbara, who helped me with my abduction. So like now they're both sort of wrapped into, okay. Yeah, that she's a whole can of alphabet soup, man. Fuck that. Masquerade (laughs) of Angels. It's split into five parts and so will our episode be. All right. Yeah, first part, the siege. The siege. All right, fucking Ted Rice, that name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna laugh every time I say it. Ted Rice. I can't just call him Ted. No, you I mean can't. I do call him Ted. Yeah, but, but his name's Ted Rice. Ted Rice just sounds. It's one of those names where you want to say both. So, so Ted Rice had never given too much thought to aliens. He was more interested in spiritualism and that sort of stuff, psychic work and. Where psychic phenomenon and and through all his years of psychic work, he understood his helpers on the spiritual plane to be pure and benevolent agents of God. You know, as pure beings of light that are yeah, just there to help us. Heavenly beings, they're nice. Yeah, could never be evil. And these uh, these these helpers, these spirit guides, guided him, in fact, to Shreveport, Louisiana, in 1988, and that's where Ted planned to continue his mission of helping people using his psychic gift. He settled into a quiet mobile home park and found a bookstore where he could start doing readings, which he did about five a week. At the bookstore, Ted met a colorful variety of people, including a group that would meet there to discuss UFOs and aliens. They told Ted the aliens were wonderful, benevolent beings here to help us through coming times of trouble. Bunch of alien fangirls. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know. If you had spirit guides and they told you, go to Shreveport, Louisiana, what would you say? (laughs) I'd be like, no. No, no, I'm not doing (laughs) that. I'm not going to do that. But Ted did. 
And then like this bookstore, you know, talk about aliens. And he said, it's funny because you read the beginning part of this book and he's like, he says he's not given that much thought to aliens, but it's like, "Mm, you kind of have. He kind of has, but not as much until up until now, because now he has people to talk about it with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before it was just people of the spiritualist variety. Yeah, because I mean, that's what he was exposed to. So right. It's like spirits of dead people and ghosts and stuff. It's not aliens. It's totally different. Because without the internet, like on the internet, you're getting bombarded from all sides by what the algorithm thinks is relevant to your interests. Yeah, this is pre-internet. This is far pre- Well, not actually that far as 1988. That's true. Yeah. It was actually kind of around. 88. 1988. 1988. He's kind of curious. He had a lot of weird things happen throughout his life that made him question like, "Mm, you know, I don't know. Could could that be aliens? But then again, his heavenly guides had never brought up the subject of aliens or UFOs. So he figured, I don't know if I should give that much stock to it. He listened anyway. (laughs) He's curious. Just a curious man. Why not? Also, good clients. I think these these alien people are totally coming in for psychic readings. Definitely. Yeah. So... For about a year, things just plotted along. In 1889, Ted begins having these nightly disturbances. 1989? <laughs> Why do I keep doing that? Because we've been in the 1800s for so long. We were. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. With the Oneida community. Yeah, and then we were only in the early 1900s with fucking yeah. those assholes last week. <laughs> it's 1989. It's 1989. It's 1989. Yes. And Ted is having nightly disturbances. There's these strange entities around him. They're stroking his hair and his face. They're touching his body. They're really creepy. And also, like, he's just alone in his trailer in the trailer park. There shouldn't be any hands on him whatsoever. He has a cat named Grandma, but she doesn't have hands. These spirits were different from the ones that Ted was familiar with. They're much more forceful. They made Ted feel anxious and afraid. Unlike, you know, his usual guides were nice. They gave him advice. They helped him see shit about people's lives that he really shouldn't have access to. Kind of nosy, if you ask me. Mm. But now these guys are not nice. His sleep begins to suffer. His health begins to deteriorate. And hmm. a very similar way to the way it did about two decades prior, I guess like a decade and a half in the 70s. Ted also got like really anxious, really, yeah, scared, yeah, really yeah. scared, had to go to the hospital. So, yeah, Shit. this is like a peer like this is a pattern. Yeah. Throughout Ted's life. These unfamiliar entities are making it really hard to deliver God's plan. You know, Ted's just trying to make people's lives better. To use his gift to enrich the planet. So that's what he he's, he thinks he's just he's here to give people yeah. a psychic reading and help. Yeah, okay. And help them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And now sometimes the messages are good, sometimes they're bad. But he has this unique gift, and he has to share it because it's a special gift. And now these fucking weird entities are trying to stop him from helping people. Yeah, because they're so- evil and. So Ted has to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And he does what he always does whenever life gets weird. He just moves. Oh, I that's don't... not a great. <laughs> it's not a great coping strategy, but no, it's re- you take yourself with you everywhere you go. That's something that I tell myself 
a lot. It's true. As a way to just make myself comfortable. And yeah, I, I don't want to be at the grocery store, but you know what? Everywhere can be my home <laughs> if I'm just comfortable. It's all just a state of mind, baby. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> yeah. he just moves, just straight up moves whenever <laughs> shit gets weird. Um, but not very far away, oddly enough. Like just across town to another trailer park. Oh, well, that's all right then. Yeah. Yeah. So he has his buddy Bud Stockton help him move to a different trailer park. Great trailer park name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great Shreveport, Louisiana name. Bud Stockton. Yeah. But Ted is still scared. This is a brand new place. He doesn't want to stay there alone for the first night. So he says, Bud. How fucking old is this guy at this point? He's like in his mid 40s. Holy shit. Well, but I can't stay here by myself. Maybe he was right because it wasn't long before Ted started experiencing weird shit at his new home. He was freaking butt out because he was like, hey, man, did you see that? And Ted's like, no. Like as soon as they got there? No, but like later that night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so Bud stayed over then. Right. I yeah. mean, Bud's a really nice friend. He's also always over at Ted's. Like, I don't know what sort of relationship him and Ted have, but throughout this book, like... When when we're in this period of time, Ted's like never hanging out with anyone but Bud. They're oh. close guys. I love yeah. it. I love their friendship. That's all right. A good friend. Hell yeah. Yeah. And yeah, Bud started getting worried about his friend. Uh, and he advised Ted to step away from his bookstore friends and his psychic pursuits. He's a good guy. Bud's a good guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Ted agreed that this all needed to stop. And so he stormed through his trailer shouting at the invisible intruders. Here I am trying to do my spiritual work to help people. This is exactly (laughs) what I imagine. Okay, like this trailer park alien abduction shit. It's just bubbles. I love it. Yeah. I love the scene that this sets in my mind. Trying to do my spiritual work to help people. If you keep me worn out, talking to me all the time, trying to teach me whatever this stuff is. (laughs) (laughs) Have you watched my trailer park boys? Yes. Okay. You're doing so good. It sounds... Perfect. I keep hearing from you. You're not considering me. I need my rest and you won't let me sleep. I've had it with you. <laughs> I'm not going to do any more readings right now. I can't handle it anymore. My body and mind need some rest. You little bastards won't leave me alone at night. How in the hell do you think I can do this work you want me to do when you won't let me rest? <laughs> like, fuck. It's true, though. Because, like, you know, he really feels strongly that these spirit guides coming to him are like, They're there for a reason so that Ted can do the psychic work, which he feels is his purpose to do. So now he's like being tortured by these spiritual entities. He's Mm. like, what the fuck is up, man? Like, you know, you're keeping me up all night. (laughs) Like, shit. Am I really going to let a fucking paragraph of me doing my bubbles impression go out to the public? I think so. the rest will do in Alabama. He's like Southern, but that was perfect. Right. Like Lee. No, good. <laughs> yeah. So after his little tantrum, Ted falls asleep immediately. <laughs> Tucker himself out. Yeah, he really did. Just, just Bud's just sitting there silent, wide eyed, <laughs> like, oh, I better just let him do his thing. <laughs> of course, like most nights. Ted's sleep gets disrupted. He wakes up soon after. His bedroom's all wavy and shimmery. And then three small gray beings come through like an invisible wall. Like they just step through an invisible portal into his bedroom. They start walking towards Ted. And of course, he's frozen in fear. He can't do anything but look. And then they leave him. They lead him onto this hovering sled thing. 
And then once he's on the sled and the aliens hop on it too, they fly over Ted's yard into an open field beyond the tall trees surrounding the trailer park. Mm. And of course, he just moved there. He doesn't really know what's around there, but I don't know. I guess there's a field there. Yeah. He might go check in the morning. I don't know. Yeah. So he's getting abducted. It's Louisiana. The whole fucking place is a field. Yeah. The swamp. They lead him to this field and there is a large silver circular craft Ah. surrounded by bright light. And then there's a bunch of other sleds approaching the area. They're carrying all the neighbors. I mean, Ted doesn't really know them. He just moved there, but he assumes. Yeah. Other people around him. Logical leap. Yeah. It is, but he's also dealing with a flying saucer. Right. Yeah. So they all get like lifted into the flying saucer, but then it's like... His memory just gets wiped or something. He has no recollection of what happens in there. All of a sudden, they're just all being plopped back into their homes. Like they just, the saucer goes over and then the people just slowly descend like (laughs) into their homes, like floating down. And of course, Ted is the last one. So he wakes up and he's like, oh, that's a, that's a crazy dream. Until several months later. He's hanging out with this family that lives across the street. Their kids are out playing in the road. And then Bud, who's, of course, visiting because he's always at Ted's trailer, is like, hey, y'all want to watch some unsolved mysteries? This episode's about UFOs. <laughs> Just picture he's a little overweight, shirtless. He's hanging his half of his body out of the trailer window. Ted's trailer. Yeah. Y'all want to watch some unsolved mysteries? <laughs> this one's about UFO. I yeah. love Bud. I am imagining... Bud as like Bill from yeah. the hill. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what Bud looks like. Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly what Bud looks like. I, is that who Bud is though? I don't know who okay. Bud is. Who Bud's is Bud like Stockton? A, just a supportive friend that's always hanging out with Ted. I, I mean, guess. it's a fake name, dude. These are all fucking. Yeah, they are. They're all agents. They're all assets. They're right. all somebody. This is this is black money running through Shreveport, Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> well. Ted, in fact, did want to watch some unsolved mysteries, and <laughs> of course he did. And the couple from his, across the street joined too. Why not? So they're having a party. <laughs> it's all packing the trailer. It's a Tuesday in Shreveport, and uh, so after the program was over, Susie, the neighbor woman, said uh, that show reminded me of something. Last spring, my daughter told me that little spaceman had come and taken everybody for a ride. She said you were there, Ted. Dun 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 dun. Yeah. Okay. So after which that's this- weird. Yeah, after this, Ted is like, holy shit, I need to talk to your daughter. So Mm -hmm. he talks to her and she's like, yeah, I remember the sledge, blah, 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 blah. And then it turns out this family, Susie and the little girl who had seen the spaceman, also had a cousin staying with them that week. Yeah. Who also had a weird experience. Hmm. And Ted was like, give me his number. I'm going to call him up. Yeah. Back in the day when you just give children... Phone numbers to yeah. weird psychic men in <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Ted called this cousin up. Cousin was like, yup, I, I had the same dream too. So now Ted's all freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. Because now he's thinking that experience really happened. Right. And or I, something fucking strange happened. Something, yeah, yeah. Something weird happened. He's got to tell all his friends at the bookstore, of course, all his little UFO friends. And they're all like, oh but- my God. But it's like, Ted, you told me you were never going back there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. I have like, to, bud. Damn it. Damn it, Ted. He just can't <laughs> hold himself back. It's not going to help. Yeah. 
all his bookstore friends. They're like, Ted, you're so special. They've chosen you. God damn it. Ted didn't feel honored. No. He's being scared him. And something yeah. about his friend's love and light interpretation didn't sit right with him. And I'm fucking so right with me either. Tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> but his friends are all like, oh, this was all planned. You can't stop it. So just kick back and enjoy it, you know? Ted's like, well, I mean, like, shit, I guess you're right. I don't know. So he continues doing his psychic readings at the bookstore. Mm. He continues thinking about UFOs and aliens. And then one day at the store, a woman overhears Ted talking about aliens and decides, oh, you should read this. Passes him a copy of Whitley Strieber's Communion. God damn it. Mm. And by the time he finished the book, he was pretty well convinced that some of his experiences were indeed alien visits. I need to read that. Yeah, me too, because it seems to do a good job of convincing people that they've been abducted by aliens. It's one of the, you know, things just like start popping up and you're like, oh, yeah. And like they weren't, but now they are. And like, oh, God, I guess it's just time. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to enjoy my unsolved mysteries. (laughs) Just trying to be an agent of God with my cat grandma. (laughs) So as Ted's interest in aliens grew. So did their interest in him. Like, yeah. Start looking at the phenomenon. Makes sense. Starts looking the phenomenon looks, looks back. Gaze not into the abyss, for the abyss gazes also into you. Something like that. Time is a flat circle. Something Ted like that. Ted should have fucking known this by now. Ted should have known, as, known this as by now. As we will learn. Yeah. Like, God damn it, Ted. Uh, evidence of alien contact even began appearing in his psychic readings. Well, what do you know? All of his clients have been abducted by aliens, too. <laughs> yeah, Ted and some of his clients soon began gathering on a monthly basis to share their unusual experiences. None of them really knew what was happening or the true nature of the alien encounters. But it was nice to meet with other believers and hear a variety of opinions. Yeah, so at this point, Ted is just fully leaning into the UFO thing. Remember, he started off just like, okay, I'll listen out of curiosity. Yeah. Why not? But now he's like, yeah, abduction meetup group. Hmm. You know? The spiritualist so, agent of God to abductee meetup group pipeline. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. And one night, Ted has an incredibly disturbing encounter, which is a sentence that we're going to hear like a lot, <laughs> a lot throughout this, because he just has a lot of odd nightly encounters. Mm. On this encounter, a round sphere slowly floated toward him from across the room near mm. the ceiling. It's about the size of a basketball and it mm. shimmered with a red and orange glow like a fireball. Hmm. When Ted lifted a hand to touch the sphere, a mechanical sounding voice coming from every direction commanded him to stop. Do not fear it said. God damn it. I have come to deliver a message. <sighs> then the device beamed information into Ted's head, and he learned that it was a device controlled from a nearby UFO, as humans call them. But the occupants referred to them as their life support vehicle. So that's what this sphere. Okay. Yeah. Dude, they always say, don't be afraid. Yeah, do not fear. Be not afraid, man. Right. Like, I don't know. That's just like injured cold says the same fucking thing. It's the first thing he says, mm-hmm. right? And that's, you know, I mean, that's the thing about- Very biblical. Yeah, that's the thing about and the And of angels. course, haven't gotten into this too much yet, but Ted comes from a very biblical background. As I imagine Woody right. Derenberger did too. Yeah. Yeah. So everything is kind of like funneled through that lens for him. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, for sure. So he learns through, I guess, 
telepathy, the information that's just beamed into his head. The download. Um, yeah, the DL. This ball-shaped, lighted object thing, it's a scanner. And it's used to inspect locations before couriers are sent inside for their mission. So it does like a scan of the house, basically. Right, right. It like lets you know who's awake, who's asleep in the house. Are there any humans there? It's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So after this whole thing, word got around the Shreveport UFO community about Ted and the fireball. Within days, he received three calls from local individuals reporting similar experiences with basketball-sized glowing balls of light. Now, Ted's telling people about this. Yeah. Clearly, right? <sighs> and of course, he's running right to the bookstore telling all his friends. Right. And then they're probably talking about... I'm just imagining that Shreveport definitely has at least three ne'er-do-wells who want to fuck with Ted Rice at the trailer park. You know, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I don't know. It also seems like there's there's people in the area that are experiencing or but this is also true. Experience yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So at any time before 1988. Yeah, yeah. Up until now, if Ted saw this ball of light in his room, he would have thought that this was some sort of manifestation of a spiritual entity. You know, some sort of like prophetic dream. An angel. Or a visionary yeah. guide, you know, something positive. Right. But now, now that he knows all the bookstore people. Now that he's read communion. Now that he's read communion. Now that he's talked to the Although, little girl across the street who had a weird dream where she and Ted were both abducted, as were all the other people in the neighborhood. I don't think Whitley Strieber has a negative view of extraterrestrials. Yeah. Yeah. Despite the only, like the one thing that everybody At knows this about. point. Ted doesn't either. Yeah. Yeah. All Hit Radio. All right, you're listening to All Hit Radio, and it's 53 degrees at 13 minutes past the hour. And right now in our All Request line, I've got Mike Ledgerwood on the phone. Hey, babe, what would you like to hear? Hey, babe, I'm sorry. I can't hear you too well. You're going to have to speak a little closer into the phone. Okay, babe, what would you like to hear again? We are observing your Earth. Hey, Mike, I'm sorry, babe, but that's not on our playlist. And by the way, you sound great over the phone. Anyway, if you give us your request, we'll be glad to play it for you, babe. So let's hear it. We are observing your Earth. Oh, uh, listen, Mike, I'm sorry, babe, but we can't... And we'd like to make... I'm sorry, Mike, we... There's... A contact uh, with you... Baby. They're going to make a contact. They're making contact. Making contact with Ted, making baby. contact with Ted. Yeah, that song is just, I felt that that was the perfect yeah, embodiment yeah, yeah. for yeah, this yeah, episode. Yeah. It is. Calling occupants. Because you know Ted wasn't listening to 1988 music. He was stuck back in 76. God knows what Ted's music <laughs> was. Like, God only knows. Okay, now we're on to part two. Part two. The child. We're going back inside. The child. Has the contact been made? We don't know. The star child. Yes. Ted Rice. Ted Rice. (laughs) Unseen forces. They first intruded into Ted's life when he was very young, around four years old, actually. He had this weird dream where he was up in his bedroom and he dreamed that he was like a ghost and he wandered downstairs and he heard his parents talking about how their cousin was just about to leave, but he really wanted to play with his cousin. So his ghost was like, but I want her to stay. But of course they couldn't hear him and he was so distraught. And then when he woke up, he realized that his cousin had indeed already left 
Oh, we shit. didn't get to play with her and that this whole ordeal actually had happened. Oh, my God. Hmm. But whenever he would speak about these things, his grandma, who he was very close to, he called her Grandy. She'd always tell him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Say, you've got to stay away from such dark things, child. He was very close to his Grandy. So, of course, if she said it was wrong, then it must be so. Must be. Must be. Grandy knows best. Grandy does. I mean, he named his cat Grandma, so <laughs> it's got a close bond. My name's Ted. This is my cat Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody needs a little Grandma in their life. Keep them sane. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, at age 10, family moved away from the farm. He was born in 1940s Alabama, by the way. And they lived on oh, the farm. Damn. He would run around, okay. pick rabbits out of the field. You know, it's a hard life on the farm. Yeah. Yeah. So after they moved away from the farm into town, they didn't, didn't get to visit Grandy very often anymore. But sometimes she would come for a visit. And when she did, she shared Ted's little bedroom. She'd snuggle up to him warmly at night. Hmm. him to sleep with stories of the old times. Oh, boy. Yeah. That doesn't sound that healthy. I don't know. It's... Oh. She's very close to Grandy. Yeah. Like, it sounds nice. I don't know. Yeah, sure. He's One ten, night. I don't know. He's 10 years old. He's fucking 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. Get Grandy out of the goddamn little bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Get Grandy sleep on the couch. I don't know. Yeah. For Yeah. Right. <sighs> He's not two. No. Yeah. Well, one, one night while Grandy was visiting, he awoke and found himself out of body at the end of the bed. Very confused. Hmm. And he saw his body, Grandy's body, hmm. both in the bed. God damn it. And then he heard an angry man's voice in the room and his grandmother arguing with it. Hmm. When he asked her about it in the morning, she just hugged him and said, that was the devil, child. That was the devil. Don't you worry about it, none. Your grandma took care of him, so don't think about it anymore. <laughs> That's fucking creepy as hell. Yeah. 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 Well, her bags were packed and she wanted to go home that day after that. <laughs> oh, she wasn't shit. she wasn't supposed to go home that day. Yeah, yeah. She was supposed to go home like a couple days later. She's getting out of dodge though. Yeah, she yeah. was I don't know what happened that night, but she was like fuck that. Um, <laughs> Ted's parents talked her out of it, insisted that, you know, she stay in at least until the next morning. They'll take her home. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> well, she agreed. She'll stay another night. She doesn't want to, but she did. Then when they arrived at her place the next morning, she walked into the house, collapsed from a stroke, and died. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I know. Holy shit. Ted felt very guilty about it. He he always felt like somehow he had caused her death. Ah, woof. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, that's a weird sequence of events. It is. And like, I could see like, my mind would go into overdrive like, oh, it was the stress. Like, even if there wasn't anything actually there, the stress of having to stay that extra night, maybe that's what fucking right. made the old brain burst. Shit right, like right, that. right. Yeah. So many years later, in one of his hypnotic regressions with Barbara Bartholik, this was one of the things that he wanted to get more information on. Okay. And it was revealed that that very night, Ted and Grandy were taken aboard a ship where greys and aliens battled with Grandy over Ted's soul. This is all through hypnotic regression? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One of the reptilians wanted to have intercourse with Grandy, but she refused. They always do. They offered her youth and beauty, 
They said they would give her special information about useful herbs and plants. Okay. What do you think? I'm a witch? Fuck yeah, you. Yeah, right? <laughs> that didn't tempt her for a second. Then they offered to bring in her deceased husband. <laughs> bring him back to life, young and strong, willing to make love to her. But still, she refused. Then they brought a little Teddy forward. They said that he belonged to them. They're going to take his soul forever. If you don't cooperate, Grandy, you're going to fucking die. <laughs> then Grandy, she called on the name of Jesus. Jesus, please save me. And when it looked like all their appeals had failed, they put a drop of something on her tongue. Ted thought that it might be an aphrodisiac. Jesus Christ. <sighs> this drop overpowered her. And suddenly... It appeared that her young husband was there. She made ravenous love to him. Why is this shit? But as soon as their lovemaking session was over, it was revealed that she was actually fucking a reptilian alien. And Jesus. Then after that, Grandy got raped by why a bunch of aliens. Why? No. Why Grandy got? No. And then Ted got raped no. by a bunch of aliens. So Grandy actually got raped to what death by fuck? aliens. <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm laughing, but... No, what? no that's a response. That's a natural response like, to something that completely shocks you. That's way more traumatic than the actual, like, sequence of events. That she's just like an old lady that suddenly, like, died. Like, Ted, why? Ted, this is so fucked up. This is such a fucked up memory. I would rather not hey, know. If you've stuck with us for 50 episodes, you know what you're here to get. It's and this true. is, uh, you know. Yeah, we're getting into it now. Let's fucking go. Okay. Give me a PBR. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now we, we're going to hop back in time, though, because Ted doesn't know this at this point. He's just a 10 year old. Right. He just feels he's just guilty. a little Ted. He's just a little, he's just a little he guy. He feels guilt and he doesn't know why. Yep. Well, the, nec the next time that something crazy would happen to Ted is at age 14. When one night he was asleep and he was visited by these angel type beings. And they lifted him out of bed and they, they brought him out into the field of his high school. And one of his other classmates was there, Jill. He had never really thought about Jill, but Jill was there too. And these, okay. these angels, they touched Ted's chest. They touched his heart and then they... Reached out and touched Jill's heart at the same time. And they were soul merged. Oh, my God. And thus began Ted's hopeless and pathetic crush on Jill all throughout their high school years. Uh, a feller by the name of Dankmus does 
Simpsons wave music. I recommend it. Check it out. <laughs> Literally like the radioactive Mr. Burns, like emerging yeah. from the woods. Like, yeah. I bring you love. Touching both <laughs> like Ted and Jill. <laughs> but I don't know if Jill ever had the same experience. Oh, no. Because but, like they were friends, but she really wasn't interested in Ted like that. Uh, but like they got along. Yeah, they sure. were friends. She just didn't like him like that. Like that. Yes. Yeah. Well, this is about when Ted's prophetic dreams about this yellow bus began. Not like a school bus, but like a Greyhound bus. Okay. Painted yellow. Mm. And mega bus yellow. Yeah. 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 Right. Weird. He has dreams about being on this bus and looking out the window and just watching different landscapes roll by and just feeling really at peace. Okay. I don't know. Just a nice dream. Yeah. Well, at the end of high school, he ends up going to University of Alabama. It's fairly close by. Yeah. You know, why not? He doesn't really know what he wants to do, but he's going off to college. I know that all the schools down there have like, are like, like disturbingly into their football teams and shit. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew what the University of Alabama's like dumb fucking slogan was or whatever. <laughs> I know they have one. I'm sure they do. Yeah. 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 Well, Jill, <laughs> Jill goes to a different school. They maintain their friendship. You know, they write to each other. They stay in contact. How? Writing. Letters. Letters. They write letters. How old fashioned, right? Yeah. Some phone calls. I don't know. Yeah. 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 It's old fashioned. Well, now that Ted is at college, he's meeting other people. Yeah. People outside of high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who had lived much more exciting, interesting lives than him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... I don't... Doesn't yeah. surprise me. Yeah. He's kind of jealous of them. He wants to get out. He wants to explore the world. So once his roommate starts talking about how much fun he had working at a resort over the summer, Ted's ears perked up. Okay. Then he's flipping through a magazine one day and he sees Sun Valley Resort in Idaho. Woohoo. You know, it's a ski resort. Yeah. And this ad just makes it look so fucking cool. He gets his heart set on it immediately. He goes to the student placement office, talks to the counselor, and she's like, fucking impossible. <laughs> Do you know how many people want to work there? I don't think so, Ted. I'll get you a hookup at this other place that I know of. But Ted is like, mm, I'm going to send them an application anyway. Hell yeah. Go for it, man. And what do you know? The impossible happened. Fuck yeah. He got hired. Fuck yeah. He did it. Hell yeah. Teddy boy did it. So his dream prophecy is fulfilled when he boards on the bus to go to Idaho. It's yellow? It's a yellow bus. Oh, shit. And all of the scenes, all the beautiful valleys that he remembers play out. And he gets this like wave of like deja vu. Yeah. He's like, holy shit, this is it. I mean. This is what I, this is it. That shit happens, man. He's so excited, too, because this is a really cool resort. Like, billionaires go there. Like, this is a cool place. This is a elite. Alphabet soup spooks go there, you mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he arrives at Sun Valley. And as soon as he gets there, something that he does, weirdly enough, is he walks up to, like, the Cedar Lodge and he takes his fingernail and he chips away at some of the paint. And he realizes that it's... It's not wood. It's cement underneath. Yeah. Yeah. Does this surprise him? It kind of does, actually. Breaks the enchantment? Yeah. He <sighs> realizes, like, there's this illusory sense. 
But fucking, yeah, because, dog, Idaho burns. I know. Like, do you, how many ski resorts burn to the fucking ground <laughs> with idealistic fucking moron from Alabama, just like yourself, trapped right. inside no, before they realize maybe we should build it out of fucking concrete and then use the paint to preserve no the vibe. He is so happy to be there. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, you know, he gets this little inkling in his head, like, hmm. Things are not always what they seem. The underlying Ooh. mechanics might be more complicated than you initially expect. Yeah. Or honestly, that's probably something Carla Turner put in there. Just as like, oh, symbolism. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which I tried to like, I really tried to cut as much of that out of this yeah. as possible yeah. just to get the like, okay, what's the beat points of Ted's story? Yeah. I'm here for Ted. Yeah. So Ted gets there and he... Meets his new boss, Bert. Hmm. Bert gives him his assignment as a busboy. Ted was the busboy. Yeah, hands him his key to the employee dorms, and Ted is like, fuck yeah, this is paradise. He's so yeah. happy. Oh man, I like I know people who you know moved out west to work on ski resorts and shit like that and like work national parks. Mm-hmm. Dude, they fucking loved it. He's also never it's the coolest he's shit. never skied in his life. Like he grew up on a farm, mm. but he's excited too. Hell yeah. I'm excited for Ted. Me too. Like, you go, Ted. Ted's still a little bit unsettled by his prophetic dreams of the yellow bus. It's a weird experience. But it doesn't even matter because he's so happy and grateful and just so ecstatic to be there. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. This place is utterly bewitching. He loved it there. There's freedom. There's new friends. He even got to babysit Jamie Lee Curtis. Bullshit. (laughs) I shit you not. All right. Plus, he loved to wander around the nature trails surrounding the result. Beautiful mountain trails, you know? He was also a really good worker. So his boss, Bert, hmm. Burst Bop, um, Burst Boss, <laughs> <laughs> invited him back for the winter season. Boss man, Bert. Yeah. Ted, of course, was unable to resist the offer. He let his family know he ain't coming back. I'll never Sorry, be guys. I'll damn again. Yeah. There's more here for me than there ever will be in Alabama. You know, university will always be there. But right now, this is once in a lifetime. You know, he's like rubbing elbows with all these rich people. He's having the time of his life. This is like his first taste of freedom. He's really coming into his own. He's learning what he's good at, too, because he was paying for college, but he had no idea what he wanted to do. Now he's actually making a living and understanding what it means to have a little bit of freedom. And he still lives in a dorm. So it's kind of like being at college. Yeah, it yeah, it's the right age for that that type of lifestyle. It's an adventure. It's fucking cool. Hell yeah. So I get it. Yeah. And at this point, Ted's going to write Jill for the first time in ages, actually. Well, adventure makes him confident. Right. Hell yeah. And he right. Because this is impressive. You know, he's yeah. in a cool place. So he's like, hey, Jill, guess where I've been all yeah, summer. It's exclusive <laughs> as shit. Yeah. And what do you know? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. He missed her. And I guess she missed him, at least enough to surprise him in Idaho a few days before Ted's after-season vacation would start. All right. She showed up, knocked on his door. He had no idea. She was like, you know, I've got a couple of weeks before school starts. You've got a couple of weeks before work starts. Aren't you happy to see me, Teddy? And he was confused, but <laughs> he was really happy to see her. Hell yeah. Never would have anticipated it, but fuck yeah. I... You anticipate by what happens later, where Ted ends up later, that like this 
goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't last. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. 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 But you know, Ted shows Jill around like he owns the place. Hell yeah! All of his friends, all his coworkers, really like her. Boss Bert really likes her. Bert offers Jill a job for the winter as a waitress. Uh, Bert really liked her. <laughs> oh yeah. And she surprised everybody when she said yes. Okay. Like what, Joe? Mm. Like really? Um, I'm suspicious. Yeah, she drops out of school, everything. And of course, Ted's thrilled. Right. He's loved her ever since he was 14 years old. That love had never faded. Yeah. He sort of like let it go into the background, realizing like, okay, this is probably not going to happen. But now, you know, they soul merged. They soul bonded. Yeah. Now they're together in Ted's paradise. And she leaves college to be there with him. It's like, what? What the fuck? Uh, for every peak, there's a trough, man. <laughs> every peak, there's a valley. Yeah, yeah. Ted's living in the valley. Oh, boy. So the lodge closes down for September, you know, gearing up for the winter season. Ted and Jill set off to explore the world, a.k.a. the western part of the United States. Uh, just the west. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> Washington. I mean, it's a big place, man. Yeah. It's fucking wild, dude. Like, hell yeah. But you know, like all of the restraints of their past were broken. They're not small town kids in Alabama anymore. The world is new and unlimited. They're unanswerable to nobody except themselves. Hell yeah. Somewhere along the journey, they finally cross the boundary from friends to lovers. Thank God. <sighs> like, yes, Ted. But then... You know, when the vacation ended, got to head back to Sun Valley for the winter. And the winter season began joyously. Many of Ted's summer friends had stayed on. There are many new friends to be made. After work, they'd all troop into town, dance, party, and drink. Hell yeah. You know, Jill, deprived of freedom for her entire life, she grabbed onto this newfound independence. Ah, cue Eddie Murphy singing party all the time. (laughs) Yeah, my yeah. girl wants to party yeah. all the time. Literally, yeah. that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Jill parties too much. Mm. Like Ted says, keeping up with Jill could kill a horse. Okay. Yeah, she okay. wanted to go out I like mean, every night. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's tough. And of course, Ted already had four months of living in the fast lane under his belt. Like, he is used to all this freedom stuff. He was there all summer. Right, right. It's brand new for Jill. Ah, uh, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So now Ted's realizing it's time to maybe think about the future. He finds himself fascinated by the business side of the lodge. He had a good head for numbers. This is all good. Yeah, he started reading about finance at night. This is know, all very good. Talking to people, trying to make connections. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Jill would go out at night, enjoy your book, slam the door. Fuck you, Jill. <laughs> yeah. Ted said you're trying to learn a thing or two and fucking, you know, he's trying to make something of himself. He's just trying to earn a living so he can support you, you Jill. Dude, Come he on. could be the head of Sun Valley. Chat out of your ass, Jill. Mm-hmm. You got a good Ted on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> good Ted on your shoulders. <laughs> So the scenario that emerged was this, right? Mm. Jill would go out, Ted would stay in, and then Jill would visit Ted's dorm at the end of the night to spend some special time with him. 
You know, uh, yeah, that was kind of, but it must have been weird because yeah. first he went out with her. But then, of course, everybody's at the bar and they see see Jill there without him. And they're like, what's the deal? Are you? Yeah. Uh, so one night, Ted decides he's going to go to the bar and surprise Jill. Uh. But Jill's not there. Oh. And when he gets there, everybody's like, whoa, Ted, what's up? We thought maybe you and Jill were having a special party tonight or something. Oh. You know, they know that Jill and Ted are together, but right, they haven't right, seen right. them together in a while. And Jill's usually there. Sorry, she's at the fucking bar. Yeah. So Ted waits there for a couple of hours, drinks a couple of beers. And finally, it's like one in the morning. He realizes, I guess it's time to walk back to the lodge. Yeah. Before going back to his own room, he stops by Jill's room, goes to knock, hears the muffled sound of voices. Oh, no. He hesitates a moment, taps lightly, pushes the door open, and it's none other than Ted's roommate, Gary. Oh, no. In Jill's room. Oh, fuck. I know. <sighs> well, Ted is so distraught. He immediately leaves the lodge, goes to a liquor store, uh-huh. and spends two days drinking in a motel. Oh, no, Ted. <laughs> Like, like, I understand, but oh, God, I know, I know, like, Ted, I know Jill was supposed to be his soul bond. Ted, I know, but you can't go down this road. His soul bond. Also, like two days. Ted, you're going to end up in trailer park in Shreveport, Louisiana, man. He like, does. I know. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. And like, oh. after this point, we really hear nothing of Ted's romantic life in, throughout the book at all. Yeah, that'll destroy man. Like, I'm sure he had hookups, maybe. I have no idea. But like his romantic man. sexual life is not spoken at all. I'm so sorry, Ted. Yeah. Oh, that's rough. Well, no, that's not true. He does like have a little hookup phase after this when he recovers. Okay. But after that, he like has no serious relationships yeah. in his adult life, you know? It's super traumatizing. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> so he goes back to the lodge after his two day binge and boss Bert is obviously angry at him, but oddly understanding too. I mean, well, yeah, they bonded. Yeah. It's so understandable. Ted keeps his job. Yeah. Now it's time to deal with Gary. Uh, Ted finds that Gary had moved out of the room, rightfully so. (laughs) Yeah, that's a smart Gary. But Gary wasn't hard to find. Tracks him down. Gary's very apologetic. You know, I never meant for this to happen. Jill's so persuasive. She brought a bottle of alcohol to the room. She was looking for you, but I was there and she wanted to stay. Uh. Ted didn't want to hear anymore. He goes and finds Jill. He's and obviously like... He's so in love with her. He's desperate to believe anything that she says. Right. He just wants the old Jill who loved him, who traveled out west with him. And if she said sorry, he would immediately forgive her. My heart breaks for Ted Rice. She didn't say sorry. Oh. Like. Good. Oh, good, 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 good. (laughs) Like, it is. it is. It's a favor to Ted that she didn't say sorry. Yeah. Like, the fact that he would have forgiven her and kept drawing it out right yep like so when ted finds jill she did not look pleased to see him what do you want she asked angrily and then she goes into this tirade about how ted seemed to have forgotten all about her in favor of his books and he's always wandering in the mountains and for the first time in my life ted i felt free and alive and i'm gonna enjoy every minute of it with or without you you're never there so like Ted just looks at her and he's like, 
how could you say these things? Like, we were meant for each other, Jill. Is Does this mean nothing to you? She goes, look, we grew up together, schooled together, went to church together. So, of course, I love you, Ted. How could I not love you? You're my best friend. I tried to love you the way you wanted, but all this business with the angels and our souls being merged, Ted, that's your obsession. Oh, yeah. Those were your angels. Yeah. That she, not mine. He didn't bring that up, did he? Oh, he totally did. Oh, Jesus Christ. He totally told her about that. Yeah, that was not. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure on a yep. woman. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure on a young woman who's never had any independence is to be like aliens. But yeah, don't don't fucking together. do that, dude. It's enough. Yeah. It's not like, yo, she's she's saying like stopping her from feeling free and alive by hiking the fucking Rocky Mountains. Right. Like and well, learning about how to take over the business of this exclusive fucking resort and shit. Ted's doing the real fortifying here. Right. That shit's fucking rad. Yeah. Drinking in bars is only rad for a little bit until you realize it was never rad at all. Well, so one night he went out with her just to see, like, well, how much does she drink? Because she would always come back, like, absolutely, like, stopped. Oh, she was shit hammered. Yeah. So he went out with her. And uh, by the time she got to, like, her fourth, you know, like, mixed hard drink, he was like, whoa, like, chill. Maybe we should go home now. And she was like, no, I want to stay out. Yeah. So he doesn't know how many more after that. But I'm like, whoa, if that's like a multiple day a week occurrence, that's pretty fucking hardcore. Listen, Ted, you struggle more than you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> his his heart was shattered when Jill was like cold to him and was like, listen, this was all your thing, not mine. Blah, 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 blah. Shattered, but freed. Yeah. Her words, honest and brutal, had freed him. There was nothing left of her soul in him. Not anymore. Thank God. The obsession was over. Thank God. Ted has been freed. Free the Ted. Yeah. Like, good. This is good. Also confusing. Yes. Because why would the, why would the angels do that? Why would they do that? Why would angelic beings pair you with someone, unless it's for a greater good to show you? We've learned this before. I don't know. They like fucking with us. It's true. Like, was that an angel? I guess that's probably exactly the conclusion that Ted came to is like, why would you soul merge me with someone that hurt me in this way? Yeah. Well, I mean, an angel after all, the whole like the naive Christian conception of angels is kind of fucking ridiculous in light of like angels and actual scripture. Yeah. They don't really fucking care about you. Yeah. (laughs) So as she should, Jill leaves the lodge. Yeah. (laughs) You know, she's like, okay, bye. I guess I'll towel between her legs. Okay, I'll go back to Alabama. And after that, Ted sinks into isolation for a while. He sought the mountains instead Mm. of people. They were his place of healing. You know, after some months, Ted emerged like a butterfly. The pain matured into experience. Ted got back into the swing of parties and friends. He skied down the winter slopes as often as he could. He got super drunk off of old fashioned. Good man. At one of legendary actress Ann Southern's private parties. This is sick. Most importantly, he quit thinking about Jill every day. Good. He quit thinking about love and romance entirely. Not great. You know, he finally got back his emotional balance and he was not in any hurry to upset it again. Why wasn't he banging Ann Southern? She's really old. 
Why wasn't he though? Yeah, yeah. She really liked him too. She had a thing for Grandy. Yeah. <laughs> no, she, he, he might have had a thing for. He got really in trouble at that party, by the way. Oh really? Like, he they were not supposed to be drinking, but like. <laughs> Everybody Sick. at the party was looking at them too because he was talking to Anne, like chumming it up, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, and everybody was looking at them, like, what the fuck? Like, what is she doing talking to one of the waiters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's back in balance, but balance is a fragile thing. Winter passed, summer season opened. Ted's still there. He's still loving it. Without love on his mind, Ted's off hours attention was. Basically entirely on business and hiking. Which, why not? He's also hanging out with friends. Yeah. And then one day, he rounds a corner in the hall. He's carrying an armful of trays because, you know, he's a busboy. Right. He loses his balance. And he knocks into a young woman. She's exotically beautiful. This is how she oh, describes okay. her. So she had heritage that wasn't European. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. The way he describes her. Okay. Yeah. Quote, <laughs> fine, elegant features. Cascading warm brown hair, skin of a most unusual coppery tan, Jesus. and dark, dark eyes that hinted of the Orient. Okay, bud. Like, okay, Ted. Come on now. Yeah. So well, this is like the fucking 50s, right? Like, yeah, true. Early 60s. True. Yeah, now. 60s, probably. He's from Alabama. After colliding with the beautiful mystery woman, Ted starts to wander the lodge complex, hoping to bump into her for days, but never did. Like, honestly, I understand this level of, of behavior. Like when you, I had, that. Oh, that's fine. Like, yeah, yeah. no, that's like, totally I normal. I definitely had that in college. That's totally normal you for know? his age. Absolutely. Like you see someone around campus that you think is cute and you just kind of like walk around hoping that like. Literally everyone has done that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's not like a creepy thing. I don't know. I've done dude. that. Yeah. I totally like, you know, you think. Like I wouldn't cute. go out you for see like. see them in the library and you just like. You know. I wouldn't awkwardly place myself in places I thought they would be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't like learn their schedule. No, 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 no. But if I was like walking up the same, like the same path that I, that they were or something, or like, or I, I see this, you know, uh, Monday, Wednesday and Friday at my lunches, I'd be like, I'd be looking around like, oh, yeah, exactly. is it, you know, yeah. yeah engineering right. or like dreaming up little scenarios that might possibly pay, like play out or we're trying other. to get some fucking salad at the same time or some totally. goddamn thing. Yeah. 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 Totally had that. So Ted's having that with his exotically beautiful mystery woman and he keeps hoping that he's going to bump into her, but he doesn't. He wasn't actually even sure that she worked inside of the lodge because there's so many other facilities around the valley. He doesn't know. Yeah. So he gives up. He's going for one of his walks up in the mountains and then bam, what do you know? There she is. She's just like sitting under a tree on the trail. He gave up his lust for a result. Yeah. And he rarely ever saw anyone else on his walks. too. Mm. So this was like, oh, whoa. And at first he's like so taken aback that he doesn't really know how to play it. And he just walks past her at first. <laughs> and then he has a moment where he's like, mm. And he turns around and like walks up to her, but then he gets awkward again. Well, yeah. So finally, she gets up and is like, "Hey, I'm Maya. I'm new here. Where are you from?" Yeah. And you know, he's like, "Well, I'm from Alabama," <laughs> and she's like, "You sure have a funny accent." And he's like, "You do too. Where are you from?" And she's like, "You know, in the mountains." 
<laughs> She's from in the mountain. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. They end up talking for two hours and several times Ted tries to like steer the conversation towards Maya because he's like, mm, I feel like I'm talking a little too much. I should ask her about herself. For sure. Yeah. But then she keeps flipping it back on him. Okay. She would always reply very vaguely and just steer it right back to Ted. And then at the end of the conversation, Ted tries to ask her on a date. And Maya's like, mm, sorry, I have work tonight. But this was very apropos yeah. for his meetings with Maya. It's like meeting mysteriously. Sure. After several days of looking for her, several days without any sign of her. And then suddenly she'd be out there on the trails as if she was waiting for him. He'd bump into her. Never with okay. anyone else. Weird. Never in the valley. Just always out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, whenever they did meet, they would walk together, talk for many hours. They'd walk far away from the lodge, deep in conversation and like deeper conversations than Ted had ever had with any woman before. Yeah. Like, and that's what was weird about it is Ted never really learned anything about her because she would always talk about these incredibly philosophical things and guide him into discussion about like shit that he had never even thought about before. Right. That they yeah, never yeah, really yeah. got into the nitty gritty of each other's backgrounds, even if Ted tried to. But he was enthralled by it, too. Like, he loved that shit. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that shit. It's awesome. And. You know, whenever Maya was like, okay, I have to go, Ted kind of learned that when she said that, he wasn't supposed to get with her. Like, she's always, right. she's going off. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, you just have these meetup times and that's it. If you want to, if you ask her about meeting up outside of that, she's always busy. She's always got some sort of excuse. Mm. I mean, it's no wonder he was fast. Like, I don't know. It's, it's something magical about losing yourself in conversation with beautiful yeah, woman about this crazy shit for forever it's, it's only the fucking shows best. up in the trails and you like and that's your special little time away from everything is on your nature walks and but so like he always wondered why is she always alone why why does it seem like nobody else has seen her because he would talk to his friends about her and they kept teasing him about the imaginary girl that yeah yeah, yeah. That he was infatuated with they were like we've not we don't know her and, like, these are his co-workers, too. Like, somebody should know of her. She lives in, like, the girl's dorm, right? Yeah. Like, someone should have some idea of who she is. But they didn't. Hmm. Well, one day on one of their little nature meetups, she has this photo album with her. And she does this little test on Ted. He doesn't realize that it's a test, but he passes it. Okay. And... They she just opens up the photo album and it's like, these are my friends and family from where I'm from. And as they go through the pictures, Ted recognizes things about people and it's like, wow, this woman, she looks really sad. Did she lose her husband? Hmm. And Maya would be like, that's very interesting that you noticed that. Yeah, she did. And he would keep getting like hits on hmm. every single picture. And she would be like, how do you know these things? And he kind of didn't. He was like, I don't know. I can just read it on their faces. I can yeah. just tell from looking at them. And that's wild. Yeah, It made Ted feel really uneasy. Yeah. Yeah. So after Ted gets all of these little premonitions and inklings about the people in the photo album, correct? Yeah. Maya pretty much reveals to him, well, Ted, you're gifted. 
Uh, you have psychic powers. And he's like, no. Uh, you know, he hears Grandy's voice in his head. That's the sh- devil. Shouldn't do such dark things. Yeah. <laughs> you killed me, Teddy. <laughs> right? <laughs> Fuck. Aliens raped me to death, oh Teddy. God. Like, what the fuck? I can't believe, like, that's such a weird part of this. I almost, like, didn't include that, but I did. I'm glad you did. Because it's important. It's important. That is of utmost importance, honestly. We're serious journalists. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be getting the Masquerade of Angels experience without mm. that. Like, that's, the, that's a mic drop moment. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> they raped grandma to death is always a mic drop moment it's usually a <laughs> drop the mic and run out the fucking building like, moment. whoa <laughs> whoa ted have you shared this with your mother and relatives don't <laughs> yeah. so I shouldn't laugh yeah after his little psychic test um he tells his friends about it and he's like oh i don't know i'm i'm scared oh and your imaginary like, girlfriend of indeterminate ethnicity gave you a psychic test in the fucking mountains and you passed Ted. Is that what you're telling us right now? So now his friends are going to test him. They're going to do their test of him. So they're going to test Ted's psychic powers by having him like cover his eyes and face away. And then they're going to pick out objects, five objects, one by one and have Ted answer what they are. Yeah. Multiple choice. Just describe it. You know, just say what they're holding. Yeah. And Ted's going to just say what it is. They're going to say, okay, I've got it in my hand. And then Ted's going to say what it is. Sure. And they figured he'll be lucky if he gets one out of five, you know? Yeah. I mean, if they're just random objects, you probably shouldn't get any. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on how many objects are in the room. Our boy Ted spent two full days slugging hard alcohol. Yeah. He's got He doesn't have a photographic memory. Well, he... Did really well on this test. Mm. The first one got it correct. Second one got it correct. Third one got it correct. They figured okay. we don't need to continue. Yeah, no, you surely don't. That's enough. Yeah. Ted's really freaked out. Yeah. But he's still hanging out with Maya. And it was almost as if, like, after confirming his psychic powers, that she sort of laid off of him a bit in okay. terms of, like, the conversational aspect of their relationship. Things took on a more physical turn, less mental. Ooh. They stopped talking all the time and started touching more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, holding hands, laying yeah. hands, making out. Oh, yeah. It, it was almost as if she had a task and she accomplished it. And now they were just mm. free to okay. rock around, you know? Yeah. She, she got it done before the allotted time. And so now she doesn't have to worry. Yeah. Okay. So meanwhile, there's also this little old lady that started working at the lodge named Samantha. Okay. She was very into metaphysical stuff, astrology. Sure. So between Maya and Samantha, Ted is now exposed to the rudiments of the supernatural world, basically. Okay. You know? And then Maya tells Ted, I know somewhere where you could go to see a UFO if you wanted to see one. And Ted's okay. like, cool, I've never seen one. He goes there and he does indeed see something strange in the sky. He doesn't know if it's a UFO, but Maya says it is. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that's his first UFO question mark. I mean, he didn't know what what the fuck it was. So, yeah. Yeah. He saw something weird in the sky. What the? That's a UFO. I'm not sure if that's a UFO or not. It's fucking. 
<laughs> you don't know what it is. So yeah, it's, it's this unknown. swirling mass of non-Euclidean geometry. I don't know if that's a UFO. It's too fucking right. blobby. It's like, yeah, dude, that's weird as shit. It's a UFO. You don't Come know on. what it is. Yeah. yeah. So he sees this UFO thing, blah, blah, blah. Shortly after that, Maya basically like hypnotizes him into going back home to Alabama. She's Why? Like, now it's t- it's t- your time here is done, Ted. No, come on. And I'll be going home too, but we'll see each other again someday. So it, almost like in a trance, Ted like prepares to leave, like gets his bus ticket, you know. That's so unfair. Yeah. Don't send the boy back to Alabama. Mm. He was going to be a big shot. He was going to run that place one day. Yeah. Fuck that. Right? Fuck you. <sighs> so on the day that he's going to leave, he's like, I, I want to see Maya one more time. He runs around the campus. He's like asking everybody basically like, where is she? Like, do you know where she lives? Do yeah. you know her last name? He talks to his boss and he's like, I don't have any record of hiring that person. Dun, dun, dun. Maya never worked there. Who was she? Who was she? The strange woman who asked him questions about, you know, she was asking him questions about outer space and to think about the the fundamentals of reality and, you know, who was this this mystery woman? A fucking time spook. Yeah. Yeah. I hate the time cops. (laughs) But I mean, yeah, I mean, the, that's that's either what she was or, or is the intention of the character in the story, uh, if it's fictional, is that like, you know, this woman of like eventually in the future, we're all going to we're all going to be the middle, the same middle shade of brown, mm-hmm. you know, like it's inevitable. She just looked like what Ted thought was really hot. No, it's a future girl. Yeah, it's a future girl. It's a future spook. Future girl. Yeah, she's an age. She's a fucking time agent. Send back like for some nefarious purpose. You know. It's true because like if if what Ted's conclusions are about all of this are true, then Maya was never a good a good person. These aliens have always been out to get him. Yeah, and time people are just people too. Why was she like get out of here, go back home? I mean, CIA doesn't care about you. Yeah. <laughs> TIA. Yeah. TTIA, Time Travel Intelligence Agency. So that brings us to the conclusion of the child, even though he really wasn't a child for most of it. But what do we think about this section of Ted's life? I mean, what? You know, his grandy passes away. He has his weird little high school. Yeah, passes away. Yeah. <laughs> has his high school crush on Jill and then his dreams about being merged to her come true, but then fall apart. And then he meets this woman who lives in the mountains. And she's also like, by the way, Ted, you can't call me and you can't send me letters because we don't have those things where I live. Like, <laughs> either that or she just really didn't want Ted to contact her. I don't know. Yeah. She warned everybody ahead of time. If he asks about me, don't fucking say a thing. <laughs> I mean, so, like, that's the thing. Like, like we don't know. Okay. Prophetic dreams. Like, like I've said a few times on this show, psychic phenomena is the one bit of the spooky I will go to bat for. Mm-hmm. It's real as shit. It happens. It, it just fucking does. Um, it's like the one that's actually been studied and like, there are fucking papers and shit and like... The military put a bunch of fucking money into it, all that shit. So, like, yeah, 
that happens. And in the context of that, like Ted's a pretty normal guy. None of this is too, too out there. No. Right. The thing is that like, got all these billionaires there. You got all this fancy ass fucking place. Right. Like I fully believe that all of that could have happened without Maya being anything other than a fucking asset. And I'm serious about that. Like as many hilarious jokes as it is to fucking just keep accusing anything and everything of as being part of intelligence agencies. (laughs) Like this is one scenario where like, yeah, dude, that shit happened, especially around this time. Mm -hmm. Post-war fucking 50s, 60s, like they were literally running experiments on fucking mind control and shit, you know, in their rudimentary brutish fucking way. So like, I, you know, or she's a fucking time agent. I don't know. No, I love all and any interpretations of Maya. I what he ends up thinking at a later point is and of course we know what this episode is, is alien or entity disguising itself as a beautiful woman. Right. Because what the, what Maya did was ask questions about Ted's life, get all information from Ted that yeah. she could without offering without any getting, about herself. Right. It's what they fucking odd. do. It's odd. It's, it's an odd thing. Like, that's like if this really happened to someone, it would drive them fucking crazy. It's like, who was but that? Like that? That is spook shit. That yeah. is literally intelligence agent shit. Yeah. That's what they do. If someone is doing that to you, do not assume that they are an alien. That that's the government. <laughs> like some government. Yeah. Uh. In your mind you have capacities, you know. This is Maya. To tell so perfect. Messages through the vest unknown. Please close your eyes and concentrate with every thought you think upon the recitation we're about to say. Yeah, we're getting into it now. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft. Calling occupants of interplanetary most extraordinary craft. Well, we are indeed. We are indeed calling occupants of interplanetary crafts because part three is the call. The call. Yes. Yeah. You see, the journey home to Alabama, this was more than a journey of miles. He's gone from one world to another. He was in paradise and his paradise had fallen apart, but then it got back to paradise. Uh, but he, now he's just going back home. Yeah. You know, after all that, after three seasons. Back to Bama. It was a good run, Sun Valley. And now with Maya gone, her words compelling him to return to Alabama felt dreamlike. Like, what was that? Why am I going back to Bama? Yeah, he just had this sense like, oh, fuck. Let me just get all that paranormal, weird, psychic shit. Let me put that behind me. Yeah. Settle back into this familiar, nice landscape of home. Tuscaloosa. Oh, God. Ted, he enrolls back in school. He gets a part-time job. And then he starts having more disturbing prophetic dreams. One is like really disturbing about his his mom's breeding chihuahuas. (sighs) 
<laughs> he has a dream about like them all burning to death except for a few. What the fuck? Uh, and then all the dogs in real life get sick except for the few that he dreamed about surviving the fire. Jesus. Uh, yeah. And also psychic gifts, by the way. Not welcome in the Rice family. Very religious folk. Oh, yeah. Totally not acceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That happens. A lot of people uh, get scared of that and then fucking turn straight to God. Right. Yeah. So Ted has a few more of these prophetic dreams. One is like about the Alabama state governor dying. who's like a racist piece of shit. So I don't really care. Or was that um George Wallace? Yeah, and his, yeah. his wife, Nancy yeah, Wallace, yeah, yeah. actually. Dude, who, fucking George Wallace. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had a prophetic dream about Nancy Wallace's uh, death. Holy shit. And her funeral being broadcast on TV. He, like, dreamed it before it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, George Wallace, was a, he was a racist, but he was also a flip-flopper when he knew that, like, pandering to mm-hmm. the black folk could get him. He did that, and, like, he, he was he's sort of, like, the absolute max he possibly could as fucking governor of Alabama and then his wife became governor. Yep. For those of you who don't know, it's this whole fucking crazy thing. Yeah. Uh, detailed very well in a drive-by trucker song where they literally lay out the whole history so they can no sing shit. a song about, yeah, 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 yeah. drive-by trucker's sick. Yeah. Well, uh, Ted has a dream about that. It's fucking, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he returns to church because he's like, damn, Jesus is my only hope. I don't like these powers of foreknowledge. I don't want them. Yeah. But guess what? Jesus doesn't work. <laughs> and the minister's like Ted I think you might have some mental health problems but Ted doesn't believe it so he's like you know what I have to just move yeah I just have to move out of my parents house because he thought that maybe it was their control over his inner and outer life they're certainly ain't healthy nah he thought maybe that's causing disruptions maybe that's why my mental space is all fucked up good on the minister though right you know yeah. Uh, like, let's acknowledge that. Indeed. Bama minister. Good on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ted moves into an apartment with his friend Mike Stone. And of course. These are all. No. Bud Stockton. Bud Stockton. Mike Stone. They're good. Mi- they're solid stock names, like fake names. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what they are. Yeah, they're also, this is to protect the innocent, the names changed. Yeah. This is Carla. Right. The names are Carla. Okay, yep. Mike Stone. Moving away seemed to help at first, like it always does. His life was going smoothly again. No more visionary dreams. Plenty of attractive women at school, so he was dating as often as his job and homework would allow. Good man. Good on you, Mike. Yep. Good, Good on you, Ted. Then Aunt Jemima showed up one night. What? He was in bed and he woke up and he describes a figure, an entity that looks like Aunt Jemima or as oh my he puts God. it. And I don't like to even say this, an old black mammy because he is from Alabama. Yeah, and he says mammy instead of grandy because he has to make the distinction. Yeah. So Aunt Jemima is there as he refers to her and he's all freaked out. <laughs> Aunt Jemima, really? Yeah. You really, really? He tries to touch her. And she doesn't let him touch her. And she like backs away into the wall, which freaks him out. Mike runs in and neither of them really know what to make of this. Uh, But Mike's girlfriend is like, I think I know. All right. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got? All right. Mike's girlfriend. So Ted and his mom had recently made a trip back to the old farm. While they were there, Ted's mom, Mrs. Rice, she spotted an old black cooking pot outside 
and thought, I'll bring this back to Tuscaloosa as an antique. Okay. So Mike's girlfriend is like, oh, that cooking pot must have belonged to an old black mammy. And she's unhappy that you took the pot away from the farm. So you better go put the pot back on the farm. I mean, apart from the insinuation of the motivations, then it might very well be what something like that. Like, I can understand the the logic. Yeah, I mean, like... Behind, like, oh, a ghost wants its thing back. Or not even wants its, wants its thing back, but you or got the old pot. Yeah, there's something, yeah, there's something, a bundle of information. Right. Some type tied to an object. Sure. Yeah. So, Ted is like, Mom, return the pot. And she's like, are you fucking crazy? No. So, after that, Ted's really anxious that she's gonna... This ghost, Aunt Jemima ghost, is gonna return... <laughs> But it never happens. She doesn't come back. Never again. So Ted is like, okay, I guess it was just a mistake. She's probably looking for something else. Don't know what that was. Okay. <laughs> what? Just a one-off. Just a, yeah, all right. Just a one-off. That's just a weird dream, my friend. Yeah. If it's just a one-off, it's just a weird dream. <laughs> well, one night, Ted's at a party, right? Yeah. Because Mike got a new job. And Mike has to relocate for this new job, by the way. So their apartment is going to go back up on the market. A fucking, fucking does he now? Yeah. Mike Stone. (sighs) Sure. Yeah. Ted can't afford to live there by himself. So he's kind of in the market for a new place to live. And at this party to celebrate Mike's new job, he meets a master student named Ralph, who says, well, why don't you come by my place tomorrow? I heard you're looking for a place to live. I live alone. I got a large home. Come on over. Come on so, over to Ralph's. Yeah. So the next day, Ted goes over to Ralph's. He's surprised to see this is a large turn of the century home sprawling across beautifully landscaped grounds covered with azalea shrubs and graceful trees. Dude's a master student. How's he got this money? Yeah. I don't trust his ass either. Okay. So he was actually one of many students who had rented rooms in the house. Okay. But the landlady, Miss Flowers... She never had any kids of her own, and her and Ralph were kind of close, so Ralph kind of became her stand-in son. So she ended up leaving the house to Ralph when she passed. Sure. Fucking sure, Ralph. Yeah. Bullshit. Mm Mm-hmm. Fuck you. He was fucking her. I wasn't going... Maybe. (laughs) I mean, that'd be fair. Fair, That's a fair play. I have no idea. That's the way it's told. That's not the way it's told. It's Afghan heroin money. Yeah. Black helicopters. Right. <laughs> so when Ted moves in, there's a lot of tension between them because Ralph has a bunch of Miss Flowers stuff stored away, locked up, but her jewelry keeps being found placed around the house. And Ralph is like, what the fuck? And it's like, if Ted was doing that, would he just leave it laying around like that for you to find Ralph? So this becomes a point of contention. Also, Ralph, that lady's dead. What are you doing with all our jewelry? Why are you enshrining all our jewelry? What is this? Yeah. What are you keeping it for? I don't know. I don't know. I guess he's keeping it because he loved her. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know more about their history. Yeah. Mm. It's weird. Another weird fucking person. Yeah, question mark. Yeah. Ted and Ralph are fighting all the time. So eventually Ted is like, okay, fine. I'll fucking leave. How's that? Ralph's like, yeah, do it. But Miss Flowers, she has other ideas. Oh, she's dead though, right? She is. That doesn't stop her from appearing to Ted in the middle of the night, though. <laughs> he he gets these nightly disturbances throughout uh, his life, doesn't he? Yeah. Right at tension points. Yeah. Miss Flowers appears to Ted and says, hey, 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 
Ralph's finishing his degree. I really, I just want to see the boy succeed. So how about you guys just calm down? He's going to finish his studies. And Ted, I think, I think you could be good for the boy. I think you guys could work this out. Okay. So they kind of make a deal. She says, Ted, stay until the end of the school year and you'll get something that you've needed for a long time. Okay. Okay. And also, by the way, Ted, you're going to wind up in the hospital, but it will be okay. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Okay. And after your recovery, Ted, do not come back to this house. Ralph needs to sell the house to my church and move on. Okay. Ted, you need to move on with your life after the whole hospital thing. Ralph needs to move on with his. Those are the, the terms. Okay. And Ted's like, I guess so. So after that, like Ted tells Ralph about these experiences. For some reason, Ralph believes him and Ted stays there. And after that, they do experience some hair raising ghostly occurrences in the home. And these fully convince Ralph that Ted was telling the truth. Word. Yeah. Okay. On the anniversary of Miss Flower's death, they hear this groaning, (laughs) terrible sound emanating from one room downstairs oh god it starts to get louder and louder as if it's like spreading throughout the house oh my god so they like have to run upstairs to escape it because it's almost like the sound is traveling up the stairs at them and it's like just this terrifying gasping breath sound that just shakes the whole house and ralph is like holy shit that's exactly what Miss Flower sounded like when she passed away, like the death rattle. Oh my God, just like a super amplified death rattle. Yeah, she's shaking throughout the house. Whoa, that's um, the, that's some creepy shit. Yeah, so they end up like running out of the house Yeah, because they're so freaked out. So Ralph's like, okay, yeah, okay, Miss Flowers, you want him to stay? Sure. And also that was on the anniversary of her death, by the way. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So- Ted stays. They become friends. And before the semester ended, Ted did come down with a sickness and he winds up in the hospital for three weeks. At first, they can't figure out what's wrong with him. They blood test him for everything. And then one day the doctor walks in and Ted is like yellow skinned. And so the doctor tests him for hepatitis. And what do you know? He has hepatitis, even though he already tested negatively for it. How did he get it? Yeah. Okay, Ted. Rats. Rats. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, How did he get it like well in the hospital after they he tested negative for it at first? Oh wait, he tested negative? Yeah, at first he tested negative. Um and then the oh. doctor walked in and he was yellow and they were like retest him. I mean, yeah, faulty test, I guess. I guess yeah. so, yeah. Cuz that's all like the yellow skin, that's Mhm. Yeah, super liver um uh, rat urine can cause that. Right? So Ted gets hepatitis. And he has to stay in the hospital for a long time. Like, how long did this last? Like, did he, was he like... Did like he make, weeks. Jesus Christ. So he got fucked up. Right. Yeah. And, you know, Miss Flowers warned him, don't move back into the house after you get sick and you're in the hospital. Right, right, so right. So Ted heeds her warning and moves back in with his parents after because he has to recuperate more. Yeah, so, I mean, you probably. Know. Yeah. And then Ralph stays at the house. He has a friend come in as a temporary replacement. But once she leaves, like, Ralph's kind of scared to be there alone, actually. Yeah, sure. And of course, him and Ted had grown close. So he wants Ted to come back. But Ted's like, I can't. Like, sorry, I really don't want to 
You heard what that creepy bitch said. Right. I don't want to know what she'll do if yeah. I disobey. Yeah. So Ralph decides, okay, I'll let you think about it, Ted. And I'm going to take a trip down to Atlanta. Ralph goes down to Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. Meets a girl there. And it was going so well that Ralph decides, I'm going to stay in Atlanta. He goes back up to get all of his things. And he's like, you know what? I guess you were right. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Dad sells the house to the to Miss Flowers church, church. Yeah, yeah. And moves to Atlanta. And, okay. You know, cool. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everything pans out. Okay. This is very weird. Very strange. Yeah. All right. So now Ted's back in good health again, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He can return to work. Yeah. Well, the place that he worked at before didn't want him anymore because they already filled his absence. No. There's no space for him anymore in Tuscaloosa. But we do have a Gadsden location, like 100 miles away. You could go there if you want. Sure. Yeah. Ted's not exactly pleased about it, but, you know, months of unemployment kind of has to recover financially. So, yeah, I'll fucking take it. Yeah. Yeah. He moves into a little dingy apartment. His depression worsens. He would return home to Tuscaloosa every single weekend. He just like overall was not really happy there. Shit sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ralph suggests that Ted comes down to Atlanta, pay him a visit. Ted's like, yeah. Well, his car was in the shop, but flights were dirt cheap. So he hopped on one down to Atlanta. And on the flight, Ted was seated next to a gentleman who actually knew Ted's sister. Sure. Okay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. Yep. What are the odds? Yeah, there's only 50 people in the United <laughs> States. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, they had worked together years before at a bank. Hmm. And the man had actually just opened up a new bank in Atlanta. And, well, Ted, if you want to come work there, uh, here's a job open for you, buddy. What a fucking coinky dink. So two weeks later, Ted found a new apartment in Atlanta and was busy learning about his new job. This isn't helping my paranoia, you know? Yeah. Not at all. <sighs> man. Right. And you can see why Ted kind of felt like things were orchestrated in his life is because it's like, whoa, this is all just too perfect. Yeah, because they fucking were. Right. Except then when things weren't perfect, like, oh, shit, I got to go to Gadsden. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that wasn't. That's just some corporate bullshit. Right. But, you know. The goddamn CIA putting a man on a plane says, oh, yeah, I actually know your sister, Ted. Yeah, right. Oh, so shit gets crazy down in Atlanta, right? Yeah, I'm sure it does. Mm. So he goes down to work at the bank in Atlanta and he he meets a co-worker, Harriet. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Do it. Oh, it's blue. Do it. it. <laughs> God damn it. Harriet Yeah. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) So Ted met Harriet. Okay. Harriet, who also worked at the bank. Sure. And who kept urging Ted to come with her to the psychic development class run by her friend Marie, Marie Jackson. Okay. And Ted is like, fuck no. I'm not not doing this again. Exactly. Yeah. I came here to escape this shit. Not interested in this psychic bullshit. Do not want any part of it. I just want a normal, stable, good life. I just want to have my little job at the bank and just. But Harriet kept at it for weeks. Till finally, Ted got a knock at his door. It was Marie. 
Okay. He didn't know Marie, but Marie sure acted like she knew Ted. Mm. She was there to let Ted know that she had a prophetic vision of him months earlier. He was special. He needed to join her group. She had seen his face and been given the initials TR. Ted Rice. And now here he was. Jesus. So, he relented. He goes. He felt like, you know... His involvement was kind of inevitable. Like, oh, you had a vision about me. Uh, okay. No, deny that shit. Yeah. Turn the other way, Ted. Nope. Next time Marie's group held a meeting, Ted was there. Into the fucking spider's web. So under Marie's guidance, Ted began to work as a psychic or a medium. As the National Spiritual Association Association of Churches defined the phenomenon. So you know, like the the actual spiritualist church, right? Like the yeah, place you where you go, that, yeah. they exist. They've been around since right. like the late 1700s, I think. Could be wrong about that, but they've been around a long, a long time. time. Yeah, and people go there and they channel spirits. That is just what they do at that church. Okay, so that's what Marie's all into, and that's what she's bringing Ted into. Okay, so beginning then, the in late 1970. What a year. Yeah. He studied the spiritualist teachings. Marie tutored him in the movement's history and development, as well as the church's philosophy, none of which he'd ever heard before with his background. Mm. There's this whole psychic language of symbols to be learned, and Marie was able to teach him about all of it. Hmm. Ted learned he had several spirit guides who worked through him. One was known as Raphael. He hadn't met Raphael yet. But Marie told him he would in the future, and he would. Another one of really? his spirit, yeah, another one of his spirit guides is a much more vivacious and entertaining guide. She's the spirit of a young girl named Sharon, who in life had been <laughs> a dear friend of Ted's, but died at age sixteen. Like, oh, really? Okay. I don't know. A sixteen-year-old spirit guide. I don't. Sixteen-year-olds are fucking stupid. I need someone a little bit more wise than that to guide me. Yeah. 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 Well, Ted was a quick learner. Before long, he was working crowds. Oh. See, he, he did have a psychic gift. Right. Yeah. Like, if any of this is true, he was tapped in for sure. Yeah. Well, when Marie felt that he was ready, they traveled together to the association headquarters in Casadega, Florida to get Ted licensed. We're going there one day, yeah. by the way. Yes, we are. Sweet. Yeah. And then after obtaining approval from Georgia officials, after he got his license, which was a pretty grueling process, like a tests and you have to do also like i wonder what that looks like because yeah. like you have to undergo certain psychic t- tests yeah <laughs> you know i mean what yeah whatever that looks like yeah cast is a weird place right weird little village so now that ted's license marie's license they get approval from georgia officials they start the first spiritualist church in the state of georgia actually word yeah. But Ted's come a long way from his initial fear and trepidation of the paranormal. You know, he's super freaked out by the psychic stuff. Yeah. But now he's kind of found his world and his people. Well, it seems he's into it. It seems like Marie act, acted as his mentor, as his guide and, and got him mm-hmm. to do the shit and, and study it the same way he was studying finance or business instead of being like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to look at that. Yeah. You know, and like, that's good. Like, mm-hmm. good. Good job. So a few years after he and Marie started the Atlanta congregation, an unsettling event happened to Ted in the uh, middle of the night. Right. What yep. do you know? Yep, yep, yep. A thick, suffocating fog rolled into Ted's bedroom. His heart was beating fast. Ted was terrified, but frozen in fear and pain. Quote, 
Then I saw a tiny light in the distance. It came closer and closer through the fog until it was right in front of my face. It looked sort of like a pencil, with the part where an eraser would be just glowing like a little light bulb. And there's also a hand holding this object. He can't quite make out the hand, but the hand is getting closer and closer to his face. Use the goddamn Vril wand. Right? Son of a bitch. Well, the light touches his forehead. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's not afraid anymore. He feels heavenly bliss. Holy shit. But he's really disturbed by this experience because he's like, what the fuck was that? Why did I feel okay when it touched me? I was really scared of that, actually. (laughs) So he becomes obsessed with trying to understand this experience. After this, he needs a nightlight. Oh. I know. Oh, a little Ted. Yeah. It's just a little Ted. And then, so not long after this fog incident, this other entity shows up. Volmo. Volmo! Yes, Volmo. He's this ugly, hairless, reptilian-like entity. Ted doesn't describe him as such, but when you, like, when you read Ted's description, like, that's a fucking reptilian. Hey, uh, fucking yeah. Randy. <laughs> <laughs> he teaches Ted... A lot of cool new abilities, like how to put your hand through walls. And That's stuff, cool. That's you know? a cool trick. So Valmo's like, he's just like a, a stranger luring a child to his car with promises of like, ooh, I have a little puppy. I have yeah, candy, yeah, 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 yeah. I can teach you all these tricks. So, you know, there's this brand new guide. His other guides don't know anything about Valmo. They're like, uh, we have no information about that. Don't know him. Yeah, like, that's an outside. That's a... Yeah, we don't know. A ronin, a lordless samurai wandering the wild. It is. So, Ted, not really knowing what to do, consults Marie, because Marie should know. And Marie's like, okay, I'll consult with my spirit guides. (laughs) Here's what they said. Valmo's an interplanetary spirit, but he's gotten lost in our Earth plane. And now he can't escape. That's why he looks so strange. He's never been born in our world. The guides tell me you shouldn't fear him. He's completely harmless to you. In fact, Volmo's a highly developed spirit in his own plane. He'll be of great help to you. And of course, if an interplanetary spirit wanted to help Ted, he wasn't going to resist. Oh, boy. Man. Marie just turned into fucking Denzel Washington in training day. With Almo, you've been paged. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft. Raphael, you too. But are they? Are they? Are they? Are they? (laughs) And so ends part three, the call. Yes. Like, whoa. It's weird. A lot has happened. Yeah. Marie moved to Atlanta on that crazy chance. Yeah, I mean, that was a whole initiatory journey. Aunt Jemima and shit. Fucking Aunt Jemima. What the fuck? Man, I love these fucking contactee stories. 
Yeah, they're fun. You hear so many of these fucking things, and it's like, if they were all lying, and that's not even thinking about the fact that it only ruins their life. Right. But if they were all lying, they wouldn't be telling the same fucking story over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's an MO here. Yeah. They're like, then whether, whether that's because the extraordinary interplanetary crafts have the same MO, or if it's because the fucking alphabet soup has the same MO. Right. You know, it's, it's that, that to me is what makes it more than just, oh, they're just telling some bullshit made up story about aliens and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's those small personal similarities that really sell it for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm of the mind that something weird is going on here. (laughs) Yeah. There's definitely something about like... Ted's imagination is amazing because when he goes under for these hypnotic regressions, like the stuff that he brings up and recalls is in really incredible detail and really like gross detail. Like I don't include it. I don't include every single little detail in there. We're doing broad strokes. Yeah. Now you mentioned to me that like this book gets into some really terrifying territory. It really does. And the experience of reading it, like, you know, you smoke a bowl, you read this. It makes you feel a little weird. And that's kind of why I like stuff like this is because there is something really creepy to the idea of imagining like, ooh, what if there were like these extra dimensional forces pulling the strings of reality and guiding my life and I didn't have as much role in my fate as I thought I did? Like that is a fundamentally scary idea. It it works as like a horror story. I just feel like my boy Ted's getting played here. He's getting played by by someone. Yeah. By someone for sure. Now we're into part four, the maze. That's what we're in. And like, this is another period of Ted's life, just like the other periods. That's really characterized by, oh, I'm freaked out. Better move. Like, Mm. also, he just moves around a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's this event that happens where Ted is driving and he passes out at the wheel But then he wakes up 10 minutes later and he's on the road and he's driving and everything's fine. And he's so freaked out by this. He has to pull over into a gas station, like calm down, like what the fuck? Yeah, I don't remember the last 10 minutes. Was I asleep? How am I alive right now? So that really scares him. Fugue state. Yeah. He also starts getting visions of widespread destruction and chaos. No. Apocalyptic landscapes. But then, of course, like Jesus descending from a stairway in the heavens. And as he walks by, everything returns to its abundant, normal state. He's just like getting these. He doesn't really know what to make of them. He's like, "Mm, probably metaphorical. Okay. yeah. Like, yeah. (laughs) But it's scary. Yeah. It's scary because he's had other prophetic dreams, right? That have right, in some like, way come true. Quite a few. So yeah. when he sees a vision such as this, that's freaky. Yeah, definitely. Fucked up thing about the type of intuition is like, it's never, it's right more than chance would allow it to. But yeah. It's never 100%. Mm-hmm. You know it, so you don't know what is real, what's not. Right. What's going to happen, what isn't. If you have like an 85% success rate, that's still 15% of the time you're dead fucking wrong and you look like an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, since 1970, when Ted began his psychic training, his path steadily ascended in every way possible. Like, things were going pretty good. Really he was happy. He had a purpose. You really had to use that? Yes. Yeah, all right. Ascended. Ascended. Yeah. Case. Yes. But now shit was declining again. <sighs> He's plagued by physical pains, discomfort. His doctor would examine him and be like, Ted, I don't know what's wrong, buddy. Mm. So Ted just starts exercising and eating healthy 
He's like, okay, I might as well pay attention to my health. Uh, yeah, good. And yes, his body does start to feel better. Oh, wow. What do you know? Treating your body good makes it feel good. Oh. But psychologically, Ted's still a wreck. He's fucked. Could not concentrate. His nights were fitful. Couldn't sleep. Nerves edgy. His usual good nature gave way to fits of depression and doubt. Man. He started writing weird stories in his sleep about shit he had no interest in. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Like, um. That's weird. Margaret Mitchell, who wrote Gone with the Wind, he wrote a whole story about how that that book had actually been channeled to her by spirits. Oh, boy. Like, oh he boy. also wrote a story about a little boy named Carly Kane who hunted rabbits. Oh, no. And it was a story that was very much like himself when he was a child. But little Carly Kane, he he picked the rabbit and then. He found a nice shady spot under a tree and he fell asleep, but then he woke up and he was in this weird other world and there was a chorus of, of little boys in dazzling blue coveralls oh, but, singing to the <laughs> choir and he wanted to join them, but a voice said, no, you cannot join them now, Carly Kane. And then he woke up and the rabbit that, that he had oh, Ted. that he had found was gone and, and he wandered back home and he just had a, a sense of wanting to be with his family. And that was this little story that he wrote. And he was like, I don't know why I wrote that. I don't I've I don't remember writing that. Well, that's all fucked up. Yeah. So that starts happening. And then one day in 1978. Also, Ted starts like drinking at a certain point for a little bit. <laughs> OK, because he's yeah. like yep. he's like, fuck, like he can't sleep. Mm. So he decides that he's just going to start drinking himself to sleep. <sighs> Look, it's 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 an unhealthy but effective short term method. Yeah. Like not going to endorse this in the long term, but I will say, if, you know, if something fucked up happens and you absolutely need to get to sleep. Mm-hmm. Whiskey's your friend. Yeah. Like you just actually have to go to sleep. If you don't go to sleep, it's going to turn real, real bad. <laughs> I'm a technician. You understand. <laughs> Do we know if Ted used any other drugs? Okay. Because it's <laughs> so, in the time period. After right? he got back from the whole hepatitis thing. Yeah. When he was visiting home one weekend, uh, he went to this bar that him and Ralph used to frequent called the Chucker. And everyone at the Chucker like knew that Ted had been hospitalized for hepatitis. So like when he walked back into the Chucker, they were like, oh, Teddy boy. Oh, don't touch us. <laughs> and everybody was all chummy with him. As they're literally just like slugging alcohol yeah. and fucking up their livers. Right, right, oh, right. Yeah. But, you know, oh, like yeah. Ted's their boy. So he hangs out with them and he ends up like uh, being the he was like the least drunk. So he becomes the designated driver somehow for a group of people to go to this party after. And he's kind of celebrating like being out of the hospital with his old pals back home at the Chucker. And they're all smoking he doesn't really know what it is, but they're smoking it like out of a hook hookah. He describes it as having like octopus like. OK, yeah, like, it's a hookah. Yeah. Yeah. And he takes a few hits off of it. And at first he's like, Haha, I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything at all. Yeah. And then he takes a big rip of it. Yeah. And then for the rest of the night, he's just like standing there silently and smiling. Oh, that was PCP, son. Yeah. And he, like, doesn't feel right at all. He feels like he's interacting with people and doing stuff, but he is told by people afterwards that he was just standing there and smiling. Like, uh, okay, that was definitely PCP then. So. And then when he tries to drive home, he's like, he can't fucking drive. He's, like, crashing into everybody's lawn furniture and shit. And I'm like, I don't 
I don't think that's weed. I don't know. Or that's like, I don't know. I mean, if it's your first time, like, I don't know. That's a bit much. I mean, first couple of times I smoked weed, I whacked out as hell. Like, yeah. it got weird as shit. I, um, would you be running over lawn furniture? I mean, I stopped at a stop sign that didn't exist. Yeah. 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 But like, I <laughs> stopped very slowly and cautiously. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that was that, that was Ted's first and last time ever like smoking whatever that was. Smoking Definitely anything. That yeah. sounds more. I don't know. I could it could go either way with right. Ted. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So but he wasn't eating acid and shit. Mm-mm. Not that I know of. Right. Because <laughs> I mean, we are in like not that he discloses. We're in the '60s and '70s mm-hmm. at like a ski resort and like right. Do you know what I mean? Like I. I but then Alabama, yeah, is not that conducive to that shit yeah. like yeah he's also um playing around with different sedatives like sleep aids oh because he is oh. plagued by these you know throughout his life at various times these nightly terrors yeah, trouble yeah. sleeping so he does experiment with different sleep aids well that'll do it that'll definitely give you a weird fucking nighttime yeah weird shit like especially if you're a psychic that'll, that'll your shit's gonna go into fucking yeah. overdrive man. and if you're not getting adequate sleep if you're not going into like the full rested state of sleep that you need to in order for your brain to like repair itself overnight if you got the kind of aches and pains that starting to eat right cures them yeah <laughs> like you're a fragile man my friend right so one day he's at his work and he's just extra pissed off. It's just like one of those days where fucking everything is getting mm. under his skin. And he's like, you know what? <clears throat> just gets real calm, goes up to the manager and is like, I'm sick. I need to go to the doctor. I'll call you about when I'll be back. Okay. And just leaves. Okay. <laughs> goes to the doctor, demands that he must be seen. And from there... It's recommended that he check himself into Northside Hospital, the psych unit. Yeah. So he goes there for two weeks. He's doing better. And they say, okay, Ted, let's send you home for the weekend. See how you do. So he goes home that weekend. And as soon as he's back, he's not feeling good. Uh Uh-oh. He feels scared. He cannot fall asleep which was one of the main reasons why he had to go to the hospital in the first place is because he hadn't gotten a good night's rest in a long time. He said yeah. that his first night in the hospital was the best night of rest that he had gotten in months. Like, And that's because they had to inject him to get him to sleep. Yeah. So this weekend trip back home, it's not so good. Bed bugs. Um, <laughs> could always be bed bugs. It could. I mean, this again, this is the same type of story as it like, I don't know. It, it, like it could be bed bugs. Yeah. He's always he moves and then, then it's if, good if and then it the, gets fucked. The psych ward they don't have yeah yeah right. I don't I don't know it's just like a lot of that crazy like bed bugs can cause that crazy shit at night. Honestly, what I think it is, and I'll explain my theory in a moment. Sure. Okay, so he gets home and he gets so agitated and fearful. That he goes out onto his balcony and it's only two stories up. So he's like, realistically, if I jump, I'm probably not going to die. But I also don't really want to live. So, hmm. And he's standing there like on like he walks out over it. So like he's on the yeah, edge. Yeah. 
And then this other guy across the way who's hanging out on his balcony is like, hey, are you going to jump? <laughs> and Ted's like suddenly snapped into reality and he sees himself through the stranger's eyes and he's like, oh, fuck, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, no, no, just checking out the view. <laughs> you know, and he goes back inside and he's like, shit. But like he feels OK when he's at the hospital. Yeah. He feels better when Bud's there. He feels better when people are there around him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that when he went home, it was probably crushingly lonely for him because at the hospital, like it was probably nice for him. And he describes it as being nice for him to just like talk to people yeah. every day and like, you know, get into a stable routine, like get grounded. Yeah. So home now not working. He goes back to the hospital a day early because he's like, I can't handle it. He's scared to be alone with himself. Yeah. It also seems to happen at points where he loses control in a weird way. Right. Like, and it's like, where are the spirit guides at this moment? Yeah. Like, where's Valmo and everybody? But of course, this has been happening his whole life, too. Yeah. You know? Um, so he spends three more months at Northside after this. Oh, damn. Like, he checks in, you know? Wow. We got to okay. do some intense overhaul. Yeah. Uh, he also he's like giving psychic readings, by the way, to other patients. How would the fuck is that allowed? As someone who does believe in the reality of psychic phenomena, how the fuck is that allowed at a mental hospital? Yeah. I'm not in support of that. Well, OK. So like, <laughs> there was a woman that was in group therapy with them that would never talk and would never like share anything in group and was very closed off. And yeah. Ted had a vision of like what happened to her, which is that she had a home invasion and she got sexually assaulted. Oh, and he like very lightly approached her about it. And uh, she at first she was hysterical and like angry at him for bringing it up. Yeah. And like flew into a, like a fit. But then the next day she was sharing and she was opening up and she was like, thank you. Like, thank you for helping me face that. Yeah, yeah. So, and I guess, like, he had a way of doing that. So that was, like, I don't know. <laughs> he never told the doctors, by the way, about, like, the the fog rolling in and the light mm. on his forehead and Volmo. He never shared any shit like that oh. with the doctors. Oh, damn. So it's like, um, Ted. Yeah, so they weren't able to give, like, yeah, make the proper assessment. Right. They weren't looking at the actual. Yeah. OK. After three months, he did feel OK enough to go back home, though. And he did. And yet again, the job that he was at was like, uh, yeah, buddy. Now you were in the psych ward for three months. Yeah. Uh, we'll give you three years of disability payment. Fuck yeah. And he was like, OK. Yeah, 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 yeah. He went around. He traveled. Reconnected, yeah. got grounded, relaxed. He Yo, was that's sick. really good. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. So get that disability payment. Exactly. So Ted's feeling better. During this time, not really any no psychic shit going on. None at all. By 1981, he feels emotionally strong enough, ready to go back to work. He finds a job managing a prominent restaurant in Tuscaloosa, so he actually gives up his last year of disability early 
to go yeah. back to work because he's like, yeah, I'd rather work. And then for the next three years of his life, his happy his life is happy and uneventful. No psychic readings, no more bad trouble. Okay. Until 1984, when he was 42. Oh, no. Yes. This all just reminded me that, like, it could still go bad. Life has its ups and downs, baby. Like you, Ted's life has had so many twists and turns. You think crazy shit stops happening to you after you, like, you reach your 30s? No. <laughs> He's not even in Shreveport yet. Mm-mm. Yeah. 1984, Ted's peace was interrupted by a small man wearing a sombrero. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> this man kept showing up to Ted, saying nothing, just staring at him intensely. <laughs> Finally, Ted realized, this must be Raphael. How small is he? I don't know, probably, probably like five feet tall. He's not that small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it depends on how big the sombrero is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like Raphael, you say Raphael. Ted had no idea what the little man wanted at first, but <laughs> Raphael kept obnoxiously compelling Ted to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yo, 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 Raphael, Archangel of Air, right? Yeah. What did Kenneth Grant say about flying saucer UFOs? They were the 21st century air elemental spirit, yes. right? Flying saucers, also described as Mexican hats. Uh-huh. Air Elemental. Okay. Described as a Mexican hat, Raphael. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Right. So Ted at first just like, why? No. I just got like I'm hey, I'm happy here. What the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> like Get out of my restaurant. What <laughs> really Ruining shit for me. So he ignores Raphael, but then he gets a back injury at work and he has to take some time off. So he's like, mm, okay, guess I'll fucking go to Albuquerque. See what? The- <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't stay away. Yeah. Well, now that Ted's in Albuquerque on his quote unquote vacation, you know, he says it's going to be a vacation. It isn't. He ends up staying. Uh, but Raphael now has new orders for Ted. He's like, mm, hey, since you're here, why don't you submit a business resume? What a weird message to get from like. I don't even know what that means. An angel. Yeah. Like, or like from a from an entity like apply for a job. <laughs> oh, OK. Get a job. Ted. Yeah. I, you um, just made me leave my job. Yeah, really. So Ted quits the restaurant for good. He moves into a mobile home parked at a beautiful park where Ted could gaze out at the Sandia Mountains. And of course, he got the job that Raphael told him he would get. Getting led by some Barrow Angel to a trailer park. Yeah. Okay. Also, while he's out there, he receives a copy of Shirley MacLaine's autobiography. She's an actress. Her autobiography, Out on a Limb, his cousin is like, Ted, you have to read this. It really reminds me of your stuff out in Sun Valley with that girl. Hmm. Well, in the book, Shirley writes of an extraterrestrial she met named Maya. <laughs> the description matches exactly with that. Of the young woman that Ted had known and cared about all those years ago. What the fuck? Which got Ted thinking, like, holy shit, could Maya have, like, been the the same alien that, like, this woman met? I don't know. Who, like, also lived in a mountain? I don't know. What the fuck? So that's, like, throwing his mind for a loop. Yeah. After that, he starts seeing, like, strange shapes in the sky. And, of course, he has, like, horrendous night terrors. One of which he wakes up in, like, this underground barren sort of like farm-like place Mm. 
there's a bunch of people there being herded and treated like cattle in like a, a brutal way. Mm. And Ted turns to someone that he can't see but knows is there. And he's like, he's like, you can't do this to my people. You're treating them like cattle. And this invisible being replies, you treat cattle this way. Why can't we treat humans like this? Listen, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything else Truly. to say about that. Yeah. So like after a series of increasingly terrifying, you know, experiences and then a period of rest, he's pushed again by the entities out to Amarillo, Texas. And then ultimately 1988, Shreveport, Louisiana, where... 46. Yep. Now, a variety of mystifying events all throughout his life, and I did not go into nearly all of them. There's so many more in the book. Yeah. All of these events lead him to connecting with PhD researcher Carla Turner. And then, after listening to Ted's Tales of Afflictions, Carla recommended a woman she knew in northern Oklahoma, Barbara Barthelick. A licensed hypnotherapist. So we exit the maze. You close your eyes, you concentrate. Together, that's the way to send the message. We declare world contact. Yeah. So now we've exited the maze and we're entering the light. The light. The light of Barbara Bartholick's <laughs> hypnotism, which uncovers some really fucking terrifying shit. Well, like, man, has anyone vetted his stories? No. Okay. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> knows about this. Well, people do know about ufologists and UFO alien people, conspiracy theory people know about this. Don't call them people. People. <laughs> Entities. <laughs> or I guess my question is like, did anybody vet, like, did he work at Sun Valley? Or even was he a traveling psychic? Was he? Yeah. D- yeah. Okay, because like, because like, obviously he knew UFO lore because he was in that world, yeah. right? So that wasn't in question. But like, I was just curious. He was only I, in it for like a year before he like started talking to like Carla, though. Really, so he was kind of like, and also Carla was kind of born the same year as him, so they were in the same like they were the same age. Yeah. So I feel like when he reached out to Carla, who also began experiencing abductions in 1988. You know, and she had already been researching stuff, but had her own abductee shit. Once her and Ted start talking and it's like, oh, shit, we started stuff started popping off in the same year. Like we're sort of the same age, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I guess there's no sense in like going because, of course, it could always be a grift. Of course, it could always be a dual grift like that's. 
it's never not so, gonna though. be a, right but it's like just both people that had like weird experiences and yeah because like, yeah because I, I get like my it didn't really ever gain anything from the grift right like I, ted rice is no nobody's ever heard of him right and if it was just him then and this book is also like not you know, you can find it, but for like forty dollars used. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, like, but if it was, if it was just this crazy dude in Shreveport, Louisiana, who was telling this woman a story, it could totally be bullshit because he could just be fucking bubbles with a cat named Grandma in Shreveport, Louisiana, right? But like, yeah, getting, yeah, I guess like if dude with a cat named Grandma in Shreveport, Louisiana, actually like got initiated into the spiritualist church in Casadega, well, then it's like way more believable to me. Yeah. Then if we do know that he wasn't just always living in Shreveport, Louisiana, I guess like for the purposes of telling the story, I don't really I don't yeah. need to fact check it. No, no. I, well, we can't. We don't have that yeah. information like we don't have access to that. Right. But that's just like the thing. I'm I don't know. Just my own interpretation of these very wild stories, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, OK, so Barbara hypnotizes him, right? But Barbara is she worked with Jacques Fillet. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to restate that for the okay. audience because because it's, <laughs> it's that's an that's a that's an interesting thing and like yeah it is like Jack Fillet was part of the government study to fucking UFOs and he's the guy with the weird UFO hypothesis that's probably correct or not even mm-hmm. hypothesis but the the complicated interpretation yeah so Ted's first important memory of abduction was of course the age of eight. Hmm. So two years before the whole grandma experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And greatly abbreviating the description of what happened, uh, he was taken into a huge alien ship. He found himself outside of his body after he drank a glowing creamy liquid that removed his soul and Fuck sort of you. like a green mucusy liquid sticky sort of like thing mm. that he realized was coming out of him like tendrils. And then he realized he's like out of his body. Really? You don't you don't say a creamy liquid stole his soul, huh? I included that for a reason. Eagle-eared listeners should be terrified. Yeah. Well, his body was scanned, placed on a horizontal table. Uh, he watched these like gray aliens remove. Well, they there were grays, but they were also like they were humans, right? Right. They remove his head from his body, drain all the blood from it, put his soul into a box, and then they bring forth a cloned body. That looked exactly like him and put his soul into the clone body. Doing what with his original body? He doesn't know. What the fuck? And like for the time that he was out of his body, it was almost like he was like his he realized that his soul held all of his memories in it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. So like when he was put into the new body and awakened, it was like, oh, OK. But he also knew like this. That's weird, though. Why they need to. Why don't they just clone him and use that as the shelf or whatever they're doing? Yeah. To experiment to see if they could do it. Hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Meaning, like, if what Ted saw was real, that his adult body then was not the body that he was born with. You know, imagine realizing, like, oh, shit, this isn't my real body. Like, what a weird, terrifying thing to, to think. Him and two other kids are basically paraded out in front of this auditorium full of people and animals and manimals. And they're part of like a genetic experiment, basically, 
they're part of like a future generation. Yeah. And there's these two entities arguing. One's super ugly and demonic looking and the other one's human and kind. But of course, like behind the humanness and the kindness is, you know, a monster that wants to sure. use human children in order to play God. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the auditorium. This is how Ted describes it. There's a bunch of people there. A lot of animals. I don't know what some of these things are. I see some tall, hairy creatures like a Bigfoot, mm-hmm. some horrible things that look like they're half human, half ant or half cockroach. Uh. Those praying mantis type things that are big. Hmm. Some have almost human features, hmm. strange reddish brown worm like creatures, Mm-mm. furry brown fat ones, even some that look like a mix of human and monkey. And all of them have their eyes on us. What in the fuck? So this is reality shattering to Ted. He doesn't like recovering this memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Days after he returns to Shreveport, because remember, Barb is in Oklahoma, so it's like a six hour drive for Ted to get to her. So after that, like just images of his death and his head being separated from his body, like play through his mind over and over and over again. And he feels the pain of the separation and then like the joy of being returned And then the shock of knowing that he was in someone's experiment helplessly and he rages out like he's fucking pissed off at his aliens deception. And he feels betrayed by the spirit world that he had always trusted. And he's like, wait, what the fuck? Paradigm shift like this happened to me. Then what were all these guides like? Where were you? So, yeah, he starts to have these odd visions in his waking life of like gigantic UFOs going overhead and like blacking out the entire city sky. And this would last for a few seconds and then go away. So Jesus Christ, it's getting like really scary for him. Yeah, it's terrifying. That's all really terrifying. Yeah. He keeps receiving hypnotherapy from Barbara whenever he can make the six hour drive. Maybe don't. Yeah. Meanwhile, Ted's friends, none of whom fully understood all the implications of what he was going through, would have terrifying and incomprehensible experiences whenever they would visit him. My favorite is that one time him and Bud were doing their Christmas cards for the year together. Like they were, which is so cute that I wouldn't even think of Ted as a guy who like sends out Christmas cards for the year to all of his friends. But like he does. He's a professional psychic, dude. Yeah. He Um, loves Bud. Yeah. So Bud goes to go to the bathroom and mind you, they're hanging out like in Ted's, trailer yeah bud doesn't come back for 45 minutes okay and ted is like what the fuck were you doing man but it's like what are you talking about yeah it's like you spent 40 fucking minutes in there but it's like no i didn't weird another instance of lost time yeah 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 either that or he just like passed out while taking a shit i don't know bud had the lost time though yeah which is weird bud lost time that hey time. bud should have yeah. gone seen barbara yeah so after this Ted's getting freaked out. He asked his friend Larry, who happened to be black, to move into the trailer for a while, at least until he had time, some time to like recover from his sense of shattered reality. He but happened even- to be black? Yeah. He just stumbled into it one day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is important for the telling of it. Yeah. No, yeah. I just don't know why you didn't say his friend Larry, who was black. Who happened to <laughs> <laughs> No, it's okay. I'm just shit on you. It's literally, it's how it's, it's, it's just, just a really funny way of putting it. I agree. Yeah. But even with Larry's presence in the house, Ted had trouble going to bed. He started to surround himself with religious objects every night, like crosses, Bibles. He had 11 Bibles in the bed 
And he would all, yeah, what? He would hold on to a large cross for protection. And he would also, of course, keep the nightlight on. What the fuck? <clears throat> oh, so this has gone full blown. Yeah. He's wow. After these, um, after these hypnotherapy sessions, he's fucking Dude, terrified. that's as crazy as the fucking gimp suit we saw with the abductee journal. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. that's how it's the same thing. With type. her putting um the parchment paper all over her Right. Carpet. And the gimp suit. Yeah. The velostat. Yeah. The heels. True. Like, it's... It, but it's a different thing. Yeah. Right? Like, it's a different fucking the obsession. Bible, it, it makes sense. The Bible, the cross. Don't... The light. Go... To hypnotists, if you think to you're dealing with aliens, memories. just yeah, don't, don't do this. Don't recover those memories. Yeah, if it's real, don't recover them. Fuck it, because you you'll end up in a goddamn know. bed covered in 11 Bibles and a fucking gimp suit doing God knows what. Just live your life. Yeah, so in the middle of all of his like religious paraphernalia, and of course he prays himself to sleep now, Holy by the way. shit. Um... Yeah, so his cat grandma jumps up on the bed. Fuck that cat. I don't I freak Ted gets so freaked out. He like smacks the cat with the cross. Oh my god. Like freaks out, causes a whole commotion. What the fuck? And of course, like uh Ted ends this story, or Carla ends the story. <laughs> like the way this chapter ends. Larry shook his head. My mama always said white people were strange. She doesn't know the half of it. But like, fuck you. That didn't happen. That's such bullshit. Like, I don't believe that for a fu- fuck. I don't you, Carla. believe it either. No, that's such I bullshit. Don't, like also the who happened to be black. Those are also Carla's mm. words. Like, yeah, I just stumbled into it. My mom always said white people were strange. You're just like, oh, wow, Dad, you sure are strange. Sleeping with your 11 Bibles. Like, Can yeah, the fucking laugh track. Like. I know. Uh, it's totally written like as if it's supposed to play out like a movie in your mind. Like there's hilarious scenes where like Ted is riding in the van full of silverware and dishware to a silverware fancy thing. party. Yeah, silverware. Um, <laughs> you know, because he was like a busboy and he was doing events like with the resort and he would ride in the van full of the dishware. But then like he would get too rowdy in the back and the, the back would open and all of the, the plates smashed out ted was laughing raucously and everybody was so mad and oh but it was so funny and i'm like yeah that happened come on now okay like some of the like that's why this this book is told in a novelized way i mean it's pulp ass yeah shit like it's really fantastic well dude i mean you didn't read visitors from land no i didn't dude it's fucking it's it's not good yeah. None of this shit is written well. Like, like it's pulpy and it's silly, but like the concepts are scary. Ter- terrifying. No, yeah. matter, no matter what way you slice it, even if they're both grifters fucking with us, that's still terrifying. Right. I know they're not because they live in their own worlds of paranoia, too. Like they live this reality. That's why they've con- like surrounded themselves with it. Their entire worlds are devoted. Yeah. To this terrifying version of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So also, by the way, you know what always happens when they start to get paranoid? What? Helicopters. It's perfect. Yeah. Yep. So he starts hearing the sound of copters all the time, seeing him getting freaked out. And of course, Carl is like, oh, my God, me too, Ted. I've had that, too. I don't know what it is because they're both paranoid out of their minds. 
Like, so one night he hears loud helicopters and then suddenly a man like descends from his ceiling (laughs) wearing military fatigues. And he comes down into the room and he has a little boy with him, about eight (laughs) years old. Ted's like, you're going to think I'm crazy, but that boy looked like me, like exactly how I looked at that age when the aliens cloned me. (laughs) The soldier said he was returning something to me that he had taken from me. Almost like giving Ted back to Ted. Like, here's your original, like, here's you as a boy. You can have your childhood back. I don't fucking know. Like. Yeah. Don't know. So at this point, basically, Ted's just having a bunch of visionary experiences. And the book ends with Ted walking out to the field where the first Shreveport abduction took place. You know, the field with the large circular UFO craft that all of the neighbors were taken into. Yeah. That he saw in his vision, didn't know was there. But then he went out and checked and by golly, it was there. And he walks out to the field and, you know, he's thinking... At least now I have Barbara in my life. Oh, God. I can learn more. That's a spook. Because there's so many past events that I I want to explore now. Like, oh, no. This relationship with Maya. Oh, my God. Imagine the hypno sessions about that. Oh, my God. Uh, Aunt Jemima apparition. The ghost Please of Please tell flowers. me that was also Carla's words. Yes, it is. Fuck you, Carla. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, yeah. All right. The Volmo visits. I also I didn't include, like... Also, the way that she spoke about Raphael was a little out there. Oh, I'm sure. Like. (laughs) Yeah, no, Carla's a racist bitch. It's, yeah, cool. It was Ted, apparently. I mean, he's fucking Alabama white guy. You know. Um, (laughs) But like, okay, so. He's a little, you know. (laughs) Imagine Barbara's interpretation of Volmo, you know? Like, what would those hypnosis sessions uncover? His visions of global destruction, the night of fog, the missing times, the dream where, like, they were all being uh, corralled like cattle. Like, just imagine all of those turned into sessions, like the madness that Ted's mind could come up with. But, like, he feels like he's on his path to healing somehow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And... You know, he takes one last glance across the field where the UFO had landed. His resolution is strengthened. And it's written, When I make my story public, when I tell the world the truth about your alien agenda, only then will I be fulfilling the real role of a light worker. Oh. And when I help to strip away. I know. Oh, my. I know I saved it. And when I help to strip away the masquerade of the angels, working with others to find the truth, maybe it will finally set us free. Holy shit. So, yeah. Oh, boy. He's an agent of the light. I just imagine Ted, like, standing in the field, like, middle fingers up, like, fuck you, aliens. I will win this battle. Fuck you, aliens. Me and my kitty grandma, we're gonna tell you what. Me and Barb will tell everybody about what you did to me, what you did to grandma. What you did to fucking Grandy. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. What you did to the puppies. The chihuahua puppies.
Right. So like Ted, this book ends with Ted being like, there's going to be a part two. Then there's never part two. Basically what happens is Ted is just like, you know what? Um, I don't ever want to be a psychic again. I, I don't really want to, I just want to pretend that this stuff like, you know, so he finally does the smart thing. Yeah, I think okay. he still does believe this shit because he's like 79 now. And he said that when he dies, he will have someone publish his prophecies and his like some more of his writing, okay. which is like he hasn't published that. It's like some Christian lady that's been in contact with uh, Ralph's biological daughter because Ted didn't have any kids of his own. So I guess like Ralph's daughter got in contact with this woman to talk about some of the juicy behind the scenes detail, including that, oh my God, Ralph was a bisexual. And that's why Miss Flowers wanted him out of her house is because she was a nice going church lady and he was bad because he was having butt sex. Like, wow. And I was like, okay. You're right. So it's magic Nazis all the way down. This is just a <laughs> fucking psyop from the unnamed unidentified intelligence agency that's behind that's a fun interpretation it's my only interpretation of this shit anymore yeah because like of course it gets here do you you know what i mean yeah like man i don't i don't know it's just like there there really is like you always get here with this shit maybe it's just the fear of the other Mm -hmm. that like i don't know I think it's also a sense of powerlessness over his own life to come to the conclusion that like everything that ever happened to him was orchestrated by powers of evil. But goddamn, it's yeah, it's so so fucking bizarre. Anyway, you slice it. It is. Yeah. Story. There's yeah. Like what a life, man. I don't know. If I really wanted to sit down with a hypno regressionist and go through some odd events in my life um, like I'm sure that we could come up with some crazy shit and come, I could, my mind could manufacture some really bizarre stories and some crazy landscapes with weird beings, but I don't, sure. I don't want to incorporate that into my memory bank. But like, I wonder what it would do if you didn't go in with the preconceived notion of what, let's remember these alien abduction experiences. Yeah. Cause it still seems like that's also what happened here. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Even if it wasn't said like alien abduction experience, even if it was just like my experiences with other entities, even that is this preconceived notion that can fucking blow way the fuck out of control. Yeah. Even so if Ted's of- the one that brought it there. You know? Yeah. I don't know. So what do you think of the tarot card? I was going to ask you that. <laughs> well, I, my initial impression is thinking of not the, the Thoth artwork that we pulled, but the Rider Waite Smith artwork, the... Uh, yeah, I was thinking of that too. The boat, the leaving, the moving, facing away from you, sort of going away. There's yeah. like sort of that hooded figure because throughout Ted's experiences, he kept seeing these cloaked, hooded figures. And oh, that that's is, true. Yeah, there's yeah, this yeah. Hooded figure in the front of the like that's the person being um, rowed away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there's a person seated in the front of the boat, surrounded by swords, and then there's a, a person rowing them away. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's the mother and the child. Mm-hmm. The grandma and the child is maybe. And in that same vein, I guess with the artwork of... It's a long journey. They're on a journey. Well, he keeps moving, too, is the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also, you know, with the actual meaning of the of the card, Tifereth in uh, Yetzera, it's, uh, he's he is always trying to engage with the thing. Engage with yeah. the spooky. And um, also, dance with it as best he can, I, guess, I think. 
Um, I noticed the happiest points of his life. I mean, he doesn't have a fucking job. Yeah. yeah, he was he was happy growing up on the farm and like running around yeah. the fields and whatever. But th- the happiest points in his life is when he's been away from his parents. Yeah. Like the first like he's, he's been away from Bama, away yeah. from the fucking south. Exactly. Yeah. When he's been out of Alabama is when he's been happy. Or Shreveport, which is basically Alabama, just deep ass, deep fucking south. Although there were also times where home was a grounding force for him. Yeah. But I don't know. His life has really been all over the place. And it's interesting to see the way that this this man, in collaboration with Carla and Barbara, have cataloged his life. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's a story I hadn't heard before. It, it definitely it throws kinks into it's useless to say if it's oh, if it's all a lie, like, yeah, of course, everything could be. Um, right. But yeah, it's easy to say, like, it's all. Oh, this is just mental illness, yeah. right? Well, yo, sure. If you looked at this story in a vacuum, just like if you looked at Woody Derenberger's story in a vacuum, just like if you looked at any of the stories in Alien Love Bites in a vacuum, they could mm-hmm. all be evidence, solid evidence of mental illness. Right. And while it's true that like mental illness do share symptoms, like, you know, you can diagnose it because you've seen it before. Uh, there's so many specifics with contactee stories. Yeah. That it gets weird. I think that they're fun stories to tell too. Oh, I love them. I love yeah. them. I love them a lot. I really, really do. But like with the with the Six of Swords, another thing I think of is like the Thoth deck shows against the chaos of the background that fills every swords car. It's all this jagged lines and like what looks like broken glass. There's the Rosicrucian cross small in the center and then six swords pointing at the center of it. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me of all these people in Ted Rice's life that seem to just be in his life through weird coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, you know, Marie, his yeah. mentor, yeah. new age spiritualist, she also got hypnotized by Barb and she was cloned too. What oh, do you wow. Know? What do you fucking know? Yeah. So that's So now like Barb's Marie is thing. in on it too. Yeah. Like, so they're all, yeah, I don't know. Or Marie heard it from Ted and then it became, I have no idea. And let's not forget that like. Also, that is a powerful, like, let's think about the symbolism of this idea of you become a different person at a certain age, you know, like. Yeah. I can see the mind coming up with like a crazy backstory to basically get to the message of like, you are not the same person you were back then. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But, or I guess, shit, could it be like, he's create, try, his mind's trying to create that metaphor and maybe He's Barb's, trying to create a mythology for himself. Sure. And, and then, Barb is and then Barb's also it. trying to create a mythology, right? Yes. Maybe subconsciously. Yeah. Seems so her mythology. Sure. Now they're all co-creating. But it seems like Barb's mythology involves clones. Whereas Dr. David Jacobs' mythology Mm-hmm. Is is a bit different, right? I don't know if hers does involve clones, but at or least if that's Ted, just the two, yeah. Ted and Marie's did because they were connected. I'm interested in who the fuck she is. Yeah, Barb. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna be looking into. Yeah, because like, sure. was she? We have to. Was she working with Jacques Vallée under the umbrella of the U.S. government? I don't know. Okay. I don't believe. So. What, okay. <sighs> this is also the time period where the CIA was fucking with mind control. Mm-hmm. Like that, this is that time period, the 60s, 50s, 60s and 70s. They were fucking, they were doing shit. And it's like, it's honestly not that hard to fuck with people's heads like that. 
again, Darren Brown, the zombie apocalypse thing. Yeah. Like, that is an example that you can go watch. They create an entire reality for this fucking kid. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... And and I wonder if the Six of Swords is referring to Ted Rice as yet another fucking intelligence agency fucking science project. Like, they were running at that time. Like, a fucking Mirage Man, dude. Yeah. Like, it could be that, again. Or, well, you know... Okay, so the Richard Doty misinformation throughout the UFO sphere, Carla Turner was involved, like speaking at conferences. Yeah, she was very involved in the ufology world. So it's very possible that she was fed misinformation or she was misinformation because I don't I really don't think so. Because Richard Doty wasn't the only one. Yeah. You know, like I get good vibes from Carla, though. Aunt Jemima. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, or Ted because they did co-write it too. Yeah. So I feel like that's a very Ted thing. I don't know. Oh, it's a wicked Ted thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he definitely described it like that. Right. Yeah. Man. It's so funny that like there's the stereotypes of like the UFO experience, like, oh, some fucking crazy dude in a trailer park, and that's like, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's his name's Ted Rice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I love I love these contactee stories. And I've never like I haven't gotten deep into them before. Oh, hey, you want to know something weird? Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, this. yeah. Okay, but I just looked up Barbara Barthelick mm. in 2009. Okay, in November, there's an article: Tulsa carjacking crash victims recovering in hospital. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a carjacking suspect slammed into their car. Whoa. They're still looking for the driver. There was a hit and run. What the fuck? Her husband passed away. Holy shit. The couple was ejected from the car. Holy shit. Yeah. Dude, do you remember Havana Syndrome episode? The fucking CIA agent in, I think it was Belarus. Mm-hmm. There was one of the Eastern Bloc countries. He was in the car. He was driving with his son and a fucking car slammed the fuck into him trying to kill him. Yeah. Across an intersection. Like it was the literal assassination attempt. A teenage boy who carjacked an older model Chevy from a nearby restaurant. Damn, Barb. Wow. That's weird. That sucks. Poor Barb. She said, I'm not, I'm not mad at whoever's responsible. Yeah. She can't fucking ride on her bosses. (laughs) Dude, they tried to kill her. They narrowly missed. Right, they fucked up. Narrowly missed. Like, they killed her husband. She has no one a, carjacks by slamming a car into another car. She has a, an autobiography that I would be very interested in reading. Yeah. I'd love like to hear her account of her life. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Well, shit. That was a long episode, but that was, <laughs> that was awesome. A very long episode, that was, but we did it. That was great. The story of Ted Rice. Hell yeah. Calling occupants. Extraordinary. Of rating us on Spotify. Hell yeah. 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 Be sure to. Give us a solid. Oh, Apple too. Wherever yeah. you listen. Subscribe. Follow Subscribe, us. Subscribe, us. We do shit. On Twitter too, Nonsense Bazaar, Willow Truman. Twitter's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on there too, Sequoia Kennedy. Feel free to reach out. Yeah, please do. And like, tell us some weird shit you've experienced. I, I'm really interested. We... We'll joke with you. We'll probably believe you. Yeah. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It'll be fun regardless. 
All right, guys. Take care. Peace.